There are over 550 million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every 12 people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other 11? Of all the weapons in the vast Soviet arsenal, nothing was more profitable than Optimat Kalashnikova, model of 1947, more commonly known as the AK-47 or Kalashnikov. It's the world's most popular assault rifle, a weapon all fighters love. An elegantly simple nine-pound amalgamation of forged steel and plywood. It doesn't break, jam, or overheat. It will shoot whether it's covered in mud or filled with sand. It's so easy, even a child can use it, and they do. The Soviets put the gun on a coin. Mozambique put it on their flag. Since the end of the Cold War, the Kalashnikov has become the Russian people's greatest export. After that comes vodka, caviar, and suicidal novelists. One thing's for sure, no one was lining up to buy their cars. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals ever. Their minimum objective must be the entire world. And here are the dastardly villains. The Catwoman, the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler. See, the new weapons in the Bat Arsenal combat the forces of evil. The Batcopter. The exploding, man-eating shark. Holy sardine! The relentless Megaton Magnet. The unholy quartet secret submarine. Fire on! Fire on! Indeed. Why, hello, it is five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of March in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO, this is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into amusements and Adam West. Uh, it is... Uh, Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. So we had Nicolas Cage and Adam West back-to-back, the way it ought to be, just there. Uh, that is because coming up later on in today's program, we're going to be talking to Adam West of Batman and Family Guy fame, and we're also going to be talking to Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage has got a... Which I never really thought I would say, by the way. I, first of all, I didn't ever think that I would be using the phrase, coming up later on, we'll be talking to Academy Award-winning anything. Gaffer, grip, best boy, caterer, uh, much less Nicolas Cage. Um, so coming up later on in the uh, program today, Nicolas Cage as well as Adam West, 
all very exciting. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to get on board on this Thursday morning with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever it is uh, you have. 503-733-2970. This is normally the part where I say that Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations. He's not really standing. He's sitting. He's not really able. I would say he's only quasi-willing and... I don't know. I, I would say maybe half ready. So, anyway. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at kufo.com. Or Tim at uh, kufo.com. Or Richie with a T at kufo.com. Here's what else is coming up. Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us today from New York City. We'll also talk to Cena Radio Correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, well, let's see, we will have today's Lost Recap, Lost in 60 Seconds, with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock coming up. Uh, Geek Watch today, Religious Nutcase Watch, and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. That is but a smattering of the amusements that we have lined up for your pleasure today. Also, one random on-air caller today wins a pair of tickets to see Tesla April 5th at the Roseland. One random on-air caller today will uh, win a pair of tickets to see Tesla at the Roseland. Tickets on sale now at all Tickets West. Outlets, ladies and gentle people. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. A little bit of sad news. Actress Natasha Richardson passes away after life support is unplugged. It's payback time for AIG. The testimony yesterday afternoon was riveting. I watched it for like hours and hours on I was, CNN. Did you see the front page of the New York Post in huge letters yesterday? I forget who sent this to me. Yesterday's news, and really, as much as we love the National Enquirer, you got to say that the National Enquirer is not really a newspaper in the strictest sense of the word, because it's like a once a week kind of a thing. I mean, it's more of a. And it's getting smaller and smaller. It's kind of a. Everything is, Tim. Um, it was, you know, it's kind of a gossip rag. It's not really in the newspaper the same way. It's not a daily publication, I guess. And the New York Post, though, just continues to. The New York Post, which, by the way, is America's continuously. Uh, oldest continuously published newspaper. Founded by Alexander Hamilton in. Damn it, I used to know when. Anyway, it's hard to imagine that the New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton, by the way. When you look at the cover of, oh, I don't know, yesterday's issue where it just says in huge letters, not so fast, you greedy bastards. I mean, and the, it's like it's like 100-point type. It's massive. It's a big black cover, and then in big block white letters, all caps, it just says, not so fast, you greedy bastards. It's wonderful. That's all about the AIG thing. Anyway, I didn't see any of the testimony, but I heard that it was quite uh, compelling. It's other news, workers in the Vancouver recycling bin are shocked to find the man's head and legs mixed in with bottles and cans. A woman gives birth on the plane and throws the baby in the trash. A Connecticut kindergarten teacher is accused of forcing a child to eat from a garbage can. Wow. The Chinese are investigating Johnson & Johnson baby products over accusation that they're using cancer-causing chemicals. A new photo of Charles Manson is released. Kanye West, no relation to today's guest, faces misdemeanor charges. And Drunken Mob celebrates St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. Are you glad you're back? You're a real pick-me-up this morning, Tim. I am, actually. That's the uh, that's the perverse thing about it, you Tim. You find stories that nobody else could. Really? You bring <laughs> that's why I get up at 2 in the morning to bring these to you. <laughs> you bring stories to the four that no one else would dare, Tim Riley. Because I get to sit in here alone and choose them. There's nobody else up this time of the morning. <laughs> there is, I do fact, it uninterrupted. <laughs> there is no filtering device of any kind at all in place here. Found a head and legs in the trash? Yeah. Mixed it with bottles and cans. In Vancouver, Washington? Yes, Vancouver, you know, Washington. 
You know, there's no deposit on those things. It's not like and you're no going to get a return. <laughs> you're not like you're going to get a nickel back or anything. Mm-mm. All right. I'm sorry. I just said nickel back. But you know what I'm talking about. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello. How are you today? Hi. Man, I thought after a week I'd be getting used to it, but today... It seems like every morning we wake up early, it's just it's getting a little harder. See, and for me, I actually I, not to not to rub it in. I just I don't. It's not as bad as I remembered. Um, See, yesterday I was just fine, but it just alternates days. So today I woke up, I was like, oh. It's you, one week today. I know one week. You do sound ever so slightly slurry this morning. I know, and it's and I went to bed at a decent hour, and um, yeah, I got like six hours of sleep, but I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh. One week like of spirit crushing exhaustion. <laughs> We had a wins. We had to get a tote bag of some kind. <laughs> it's also living my life in two day shifts. It's just it really strange. <laughs> like I went to bed last night. Did I just eat breakfast? Oh no, that's for later. That was. It. I have so, to wake up to have breakfast. I took a nap yesterday, and my and then I woke up and it was three o'clock. And I'm like, oh my, okay, a.m. or p.m. a.m. or p.m. a.m. or p.m. I'm like, I don't know what time it is. Yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah you got to make sure that. Am I late for work? What am I yeah. doing? Next? Here's the thing: when you're working, when you work any kind of early morning shift, or you have to get out of bed or something at like uh, like three, um, you have to have all your clocks. They all need to be digital. You can't have any sort of like an analog clock where it's got the hands to go around, mm-hmm. because you will inevitably you will reach that point some morning or some afternoon. Afternoon, and that's the whole point. You won't quite know what it is, where the alarm will go off, or you'll just wake up and you will look at it, and it's that weird, it's that thing where time slows down and stretches because you are staring at the clock, desperately trying to figure out what time it is, and you feel like you're on acid or something, where you're looking at the clock going, all right, it says 2.15, I have to get up and be to work at 3. Wait, so I have 45 hours? No, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I have 45 hours? What time is it anyway? I think it says p.m. Is that when I go to work? Do I go to work at p.m.? I don't know. I guess I better just get up now. And then you get up, and inevitably it's at the wrong time. You have never chosen correctly. Mm. There's one way to beat that, though, that I found. When it's time to take your nap, make sure you're sleeping in your clothes, because if you wake up with your clothes on, you know it's not the morning. (laughs) That's the tell. All right. That's classy. <laughs> that is the Tim Riley string round the finger. It's working well for me. Hey, that's awesome. You know, at some point, I, we probably don't have time to do this now, but at some point we'll have to do some sort of high concept discussion because here's the thing. I, we're just such a bunch of candy asses because you know right now, by definition, anybody who's listening to us is either, one, still up and drunk from the previous evening, which isn't, and hello to you, which isn't like out of the question, two, on their way to work, three, on their way to work and drunk from the previous night, or four, wait, is there four? I don't know, but if the point is, if you're awake now, you've probably been dealing with this for some time, and you don't want to hear us sit and bitch and moan about it, but I think we're trying to, everybody's finding their own stasis in terms of the uh, in terms of the morning schedule. I'll just say this, for me, I think I'm at the point where I've figured out that I just can't nap in the afternoon, as, as just unbelievably unpleasant as that is. And you, you know, we get off work, go home, because if I nap in the afternoon, first of all, if I nap, it does kind of, you know, you wake up and you're a little bit refreshed, but my brain just never comes back to life. When I nap, it's like my brain goes into that sort of grayed-out screensaver mode where the computer's still technically on, you just can't do anything with it, and that's kind of what my cerebral functions become. And then I wander around the rest of the day, and I can sort of method-act my way through it. Walk dog, empty trash. <laughs> exactly. That's totally what it is. And I, and, you know, I, and I can feign conversations with people in which I appear to be interested and invested and fully cogent. Um, How are you? And it's I'm fine. I just fine. feel like I'm more irritable. Why, hello, honey. Those earrings are wonderful. Have you lost even more weight? I love your haircut. Can we go visit your mother? And you're just reciting what it sounds like to be normal. So if you and and, and I think it is the same if 
you are A, on too little sleep, B, uh, maybe you've, uh, how do I put this? I used to have this roommate whose parents would drop by every now and again, some years ago when I lived in Utah, and his parents had this unholy knack for dropping by every time he had gotten high. Like, he would sit on the couch, and he would just just take the hugest bong rip you'd ever heard in your entire life, and it was just like clockwork. He was, As soon as he would set the bong down, there would be the... at the front door, and it would be his parents, who were rather straight-laced, coming by to say hello, and it was just, just the most fantastic bit of performance art, trying to watch him be normal or act normal while talking to his parents who had no idea, completely oblivious to the fact that he was just stoned out of his gourd, just high as a paper kite. And that's kind of what it is. If I nap in the afternoon and then I live the rest of the day, it's like I'm not really fully awake or conscious of what's going on, but I can method act. As Henry Rollins would say, I can actually remember the last time I was well rested and then I just behave as though I were that guy. Anyway, the point is I can't do that. So I'm just staying up till like 9 o'clock. Go to bed at 9 Get up at 3, come in and amuse the people. And the thing about going to bed at 9 is it's early enough that I can get, you know, five, five and a half hours of sleep, something like that. But it's late enough that I don't feel like an absolute loser. I feel like somewhat of a loser. But if you're going to bed at 7.30 in the evening, then it's like, you just got to take your own life. Because really, what do you, I mean, what are you living for at that point? Mm. So 9 o'clock, that's a good middle ground for me in any event. You look strangely German today. I think it's the, you got the, the kind of the black ensemble the going on. Well, I'm wearing the, tur- the the mock turtleneck because I dyed my hair yesterday and it totally like stained my neck. So I'm like, well done. You are classy. You. Thanks. I appreciate it. So Let me ask you this. Yeah. What is a mock turtleneck? It's not one that rolls over. Oh, I see. So it just goes straight up. Yes, it goes straight up. Interesting. Right. Whereas a dickie is just like, you know, looks a little flat. I don't even part. really know what that is. Is it like a collar that snaps onto your clothing? No, it's just like... That would be a priest. Yeah, it's like a floating turtleneck. <laughs> My mom used to buy me tons of dickies when I was younger. But is that a thing that, like, you... It I, looks like a bib, basically, with a turtleneck attached to it. I want to give you something that looks like a bib. Put this on. And then you can tuck it into, like, your sweatshirt and, um, yeah, color coordinate your dickies with your sweatshirt. That's great. Here's some booties as well. It's like clothing by uh, by garanimals. Dickies seem like... Uh, it seems like... That seems like... Um, they were banned from Van Nuys. But, but doesn't it seem like that's part and parcel of a whole... You know, a whole kind of type of clothing I don't even sell anymore. It's like spats. I don't even know what spats are. All I, don't know, I know what spats are. What is that? No, it's a thing that Scrooge McDuck wore. That's all I know. Is this is this a Huey, Dewey, and Louie we're always talking like about? The puffy short things? No, see, those are pantaloons. I think. I think spats are. Didn't a thing all they wear were the pantaloons and hats? Who? The. But what are you talking about? Here are spats. We have to quit talking right now. This I know. Oh, my God. Confusing. They're buckle-up shoes. I think spats are. But see, I don't think they're the shoes themselves. I think spats are a thing that fasten onto oh. your shoes. Like socks? I think, no, those are socks. You can tell that spats aren't socks because they have those two different names. You can tell them apart. Then why should people have spats if they're not socks? Stop it right now! You're tearing me apart! Okay. Oh, P.S., I wrote you a text message that you didn't write me back. Uh, about quoting the room. Yes. I think I'm just going to have a rule that I don't respond to those because otherwise it's just going to be a long series of texts back and forth. I was disappointed. I was waiting for one back. I think that I think that there's certain kinds of texts that you just have to acknowledge. And did it make you to, chuckle at least? They did. You'll have to know that I read them, but they're just not going to get a response. And one is when you send me a quote from the room, because then it just becomes a whole thing going back and forth. All right. Bid on spats now at eBay. I'm not going to bid on spats now or ever. I don't. I. We're we're going to move on now. All right. Except to say, 
Buy them now, twenty nine ninety nine. That spats are sort of like pantaloons, which are also in turn like dickies, which are kind of like a corset and a truss, which I think to be the same thing, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I think spats are more like dickies because they both seem kind of pointless. They're, they're, like, they're kind of like they're, floating things. But they're, they're corsets di- for the ankles. Ankle dickies? Corsets. No, spats. spats. I thought so. I thought they were decorative items that went on your shoes. Yeah, they're the, that like button, like leg warmer. You know, Didn't I say like part? an hour ago we were going to quit talking about this? Yes. <laughs> and yet here well, we, we are. We need to figure out what they are so that we can move forward. Well, Sarah, we can't talk about we can't talk about uh, uh, you know chimp attacks all day long. Much oh, as God, I'd like. Is there another one? There aren't any fresh ones today. No, oh, the, the chimp, see, the you, chimps are behaving. See, you say that, Tim, and then we have this. Texas man tells story of fatal chimp attack. Oh, the Texas chips. Uh, this is actually from uh, this is actually from two days ago, but it slipped underneath the radar somehow. I'll just read just this opening here. His friend's hand was a mangled mess. Most of it was gone. The station wagon had stalled after the driver desperately tried to ram through a gate, and now the chimpanzee that had attacked them on an isolated mountain road in West Africa was coming at them again. What was supposed to be a day of sightseeing Sunday at Takuma Chimpanzee Sanctuary had turned into a moment that will forever be seared into Gary Brown's memory. The rest of that later. I don't know about something where chimps are attacking people. It's called the sanctuary. Yeah. I, uh, I'll also read just a little bit of this, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll move on. This is from thestar.com, which I do believe is in the... I do believe this is in Toronto, but I could be wrong about that. It's in Ontario. For five glorious minutes, Paul Kucinwich thought he was a multimillionaire. It was December 8th at the Georgian Downs Casino in Ontario. The 55-year-old sat stupefied, gawking at the Buccaneer slot machine. It said, quote, Jackpot, you've won $42.9 million. Amidst the bells and whistles, 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 a casino employee arrived, at first offering congratulations on the win. Oh, he remembers the attendant saying, look how big that is. I'll have to call a supervisor. Casino personnel rushed to the slots. Two supervisors, security, and several mechanics. They took pictures. A crowd began to gather, a dog at the man's $43 million win. Finally, someone from the casino said, Oh, we're sorry. The machine appears to be broken. Would you like four coupons to the casino's dinner buffet? The end. That is messed up. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up today, Steve Castabound, James Roop, uh, lost in 60 seconds. Adam West, Academy Award-winning actor, Nicolas Cage, Geek Watch, Religious Nutcase Watch, Mr. Skin, uh, The News with Tim Riley. Uh, We'll get uh, some phone calls here, and then we will plunge on ahead into the day's entertainment. Hello. Hi. You're on The Rick Emerson Show. I can't hear anything. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello there. All I hear is background music. All right, can we drop that down for a second? Hello, can you yeah, hear me now? Yeah, you can a T-Mix. Can you hear now? Hi. Hello. Okay, now I can hear you. Hey, what's up? Okay, hey, uh, I can't hear Rick, though, but I can hear Sarah. Hey. Hold on. Is my mic, okay, in, well, uh, is my uh, mic feeding the, uh, but, uh, the thing there? Sarah, since I can talk to Sarah, you know, I you just let Rick... Uh, I love it when people things. push all right, the buttons. I'll, all right, hold on. I should have known when there's the pilot's game paper Colin, here. Hold on. That he can't hear, could you, would you ask him to hold on for just one second? No, no, you're, you're in T-Mix now. Can you hear me now, sir? I can hear you. All right, okay. I'm sorry, there was a, uh, was there a basketball game of some kind yesterday that resulted in buttons being pushed in here? Oh, boy, was there. That's fantastic. All right, how can I help you, sir? Hey, hello, Rick Emerson. Hello, Sir Dylan. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. Hello. You're, you're all sounding very spry in this early morning hour. It's all a lie, sir. It's a ruse. Deception. Right. Trickery. 
Uh, but uh, spats. Uh, you, do you know uh, Scrooge? You know what Scrooge McDuck, McDuck looks like? Those yes. Things, those little things he wears on his feet. It's like they're slippers, but they're only on the top of his feet. See, that's what I mean. It's it's almost like a um, it's almost like a uh, like a slipper without soles. Really? I, I was going to say that. I was also going to say it's like a it's like a, like a duvet, but it's not even really a duvet. Why do I even know what a duvet is? What has become of me? Who am I? But it's sort of like a uh, it's like a false top, right? It's like a false covering. Uh, like one, uh, from what I know them as, uh, like in Civil War and World War One and World War Two, they would wear uh, spats or leggings over their pants and their boots to cover up, uh, like so the so the pants wouldn't hang down and get dirt and snakes and stuff up in there. I should say right now, this is actually part of the vast panoply of discussions on this program that we've gone from a chimp pulling off a guy's hand to somebody else being offered coupons at a casino buffet to talking about World War One shoe artifacts. So you know, it's what I do. All right. How confident are you in that answer, sir, that spats are, in fact, what you just described? Oh, I'd say about 95%. You know what? Then we're going to accept that as red, and we're going to pretend that we never had this whole conversation. I mean, okay. not you personally, but I mean us on the program and talking about, you know, shoe coverings and so forth. Good stuff. All right. Uh, excellent. This, this is my first day uh, listening to you, like, actually at my work on uh, FM station, so it sounds pretty good. Excellent. You're, Thank uh, you, my friend. When Tim Riley came on, his voice was just booming out of the speakers. Crisp and mellifluous is what it is. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you, sir. You spread the word. All right. And this is all true. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Very quickly, I should say that I also, uh, I spent, before I went to bed, it was a whole night of of, uh, sort of christening my brand new George Foreman grill, which I purchased. It's, I finally upgraded. I just, I... I just kind of bit the bullet and got the large sort of red one that is, I don't know, it's like two feet across and like a, like a foot uh, high or whatever. Because I've been using that miniature George Foreman grill, which is a big pain, because he got like the multiple batches of everything. So if I seem strangely energetic and nourished today, it's because I had a wholly satisfying meal last night that was grilled to perfection. And the grease just slides, slides, slides away. I've had a George Foreman grill for about five years and it's still in the box. Oh, come on! That is not right. Is it the little, is it the small one? Is it like, you know, about the size of like a waffle iron or something? You don't even know, do you? I don't know. Where did you get that? I don't remember. How could you not remember who gave you a George Foreman girl? Did you buy it? I think it might have been a gift. Doesn't he invent a new one every year? Well, but see, the, but, well, the, he upgrades, Tim. George Foreman. like the Steve Jobs of backyard grills. The Steve Jobs. Because I think I might have That's where he sells it. you a computer, but it's covered in boils and it kills the firstborn child in your household. No, when I um, when I sold right before I sold my other car, it was in my trunk. So it had been in my trunk for like years. It just appeared in. How could a George Foreman grill just appear I, in I your think trunk? Somebody bought it for me as a gift, and then I just kind of threw it in my trunk and. Could have been the mice. It. All right, well, whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying you want to, you know, if you ever decide you're not going to use I'll it, I'll give you, it a shot. Hook a brother up. No, no, no. It's I tell you this: the George Foreman grill. That is one of those sort of infomercial 1-800 products that absolutely lives up to all of the hype. It, it delivers on every promise they make. I can't recommend it highly enough. The next step is going to be buying that one that has the sort of bun warmer on top of it. That's, you know. That does sound deluxe. (laughs) All right. Uh, And so forth. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It is Thursday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come this morning, Adam West of Batman and Family Guy fame, as well as Academy Award winning actor Nicolas Cage, who's chosen to spend a few minutes with the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, we'll also do Lost in 60 Seconds. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Rupel join us. And from New York City, ladies and gentlemen... 
Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am. Uh, I am fantabulous, my friend. How's life in the big city? It's uh, okay. I mean, you know, had better days here. Uh, yesterday's um, unexpected death of Natasha Richardson apparently has a lot of people down. I, I have to say, I was watching um, um, Anderson Cooper last night, as is my wont, and. First of all, I will say this, not really related to this, it's just sort of an ancillary observation. Anderson Cooper is sort of, he's just such an enigma in this sense. No matter what he's doing or what he's talking about or from where he's broadcasting, I always get the sense that he has just, it's like he's just come from some sort of fantastic party and he's on his way to another one as soon as the broadcast ends. Like, no matter what he's, whatever the story is, whatever information he's conveying, he's like uh, Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction. It's like I always get the feeling that Anderson Cooper, it's like he, you know, he's doing the news, but like underneath the desk, he's got a tuxedo that is ready because as soon as the broadcast is over, he's going to be off to some sort of fantabulous shindig to which I would not be invited. He but, has that look, doesn't he? He really yeah. does, Steve Kastenbaum. Um, so and I, when you were talking about how it was sort of this unexpected death, I, I guess my thing is we were talking about this yesterday, and there were so many conflicting stories that came out. And so I actually have to sort of retract something I said about her skiing into a, a, a tree or into some sort of object or whatever, because that was kind of what we'd been told. But then it was like it went from that to being a separate story to being an unbelievably different story in about 30 seconds. And so the, the, by the kind of the grand resolution of it yesterday was that not only had she not really struck anything, she had in fact just fallen over and then had spent the rest of the day feeling fine. She fell over, uh, didn't hit anything. She was taking a beginner ski lesson at Montreblanc, uh, in near Montreal, which, by the way, is a fantastic ski uh, uh, ski slope uh, area. And um, it's really not I, – I, I've been on the slope that she was on. It's not a dangerous uh, area at all. She was literally on the beginner slope taking a lesson. And she fell, and as is the case there – they had to have the ski patrol come over and take a look at her, make sure she was okay, because she was, you know, working with uh, a ski uh, slope uh, employee at the time. So they had to check her out, and she said, "No, no, no, I'm fine." And she refused medical attention uh, after they brought her down, brought her down the mountain. And uh, you know, an hour later, she started complaining about a really bad headache. Soon after that, she was in a hospital in Montreal, unconscious, and they flew her in to New York. I believe they might have even medevaced her by helicopter to be in a hospital here so she could be near her family. And yesterday they took her off life support. Well, here's a question. So when you say that she, keep in mind that I've never been skiing in my life. That's a thing that I've successfully avoided for my 36 years and will continue to. Okay. But when you say that she fell over, I'm not, I'm not trying to be obtuse about this, but what does that really mean? Is that like if I'm I don't know, does that let me if I'm like getting out of bed in the morning and I go to get my socks and I trip on the way to the to the closet or something? I mean, what is... uh, apparently she was skiing. She was in motion and then fell. You know, it wasn't like she was just standing there and fell over. She was in motion. So I I've been listening to our own uh Dr. Sanjay Gupta's reports on, on this and and Dr. Cohen, you know, our two medical correspondents explain what might have happened here. And essentially that they think that it's not that she hit her head on anything because she didn't ski into anything. But the brain, sometimes in these sort of uh, in-motion accidents, suffers like a, a whiplash effect, much as uh, it does like in a car sometimes right. uh, when you're in an accident. And these fiber connections uh, get stretched out, and you start to bleed or have a leakage of fluid in the brain, and you have a brain uh, swelling 
even though the accident doesn't seem too severe and you don't even have any outward signs of an injury, you could have a severe uh, he- tra- traumatic head injury, brain injury, going on and not even know it until it's too late. I think I speak for everybody when I say that, first of all, I don't want to stretch anything out inside my brain. And second of all, I don't want my brain to be leaking anywhere into anything else. That seems like a, that seems like an unpleasant thing. And as you said, you know, they didn't even really know about it. And then, oh, now she's dead. So, Jesus. Isn't wow. this bizarre? I mean, it's she's 45 bizarre. years old. One minute she's fine. She's saying, no, 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 I'm okay. You know, I don't need, I don't need to go to the hospital. Everything's okay. And then you know, a day later, she's on life support, and she's brain dead. Down almighty. All right. Well, I mean, is it, I guess it's sort of a buzzkill thing, but there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's just easy. It, 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 what a great way to start the day, huh? Well, and I kind of go back to that story we had, I don't know, some years ago, about the, or months ago, rather, about you know the, the, the plane or whatever that just fell out of the sky over San Diego. And really, occasionally, you get the sense that it is just uh, not even the roulette wheel so much as it is that big money wheel they spin in Vegas. You know what I mean? The one that they use to lure in the rubes from Kansas City. That is, that is just the way of things. Uh, I will say, just moving on to something completely separate uh, for a second, at least, I mean, it was the tiniest bit of good news yesterday in the grand sort of scheme of things was they were talking about the stock market, and for once, Ali Vilshi made some statement about, like, you know, Anderson, for once, it's not on the absolute toilet today, and he showed just the tiniest little uptick <laughs> in the red line. I mean, it's all so relative at this point, right? It's a, The stock market at this point is like when you're in, um, it's like being in Midnight Express, you know, where you're in a Turkish prison, and it's like, you know, well, you know what good news is in that? The good news is when a guy comes in and he decides to only beat the soles of one of your, you know, one of your feet with a rubber hose, not both yeah. of them. You know what's funny about the stock market yesterday? Uh, You know, when you cover the stock market as much as as, uh, you do when you're a New York reporter, you get tempted and you want to buy some stocks because you see everything moving up and down every day. So, you know, within the last year, even though the stock market's been down, there there have been some great bargains there. And I said, all right, I'm in. You know, I've got a little bit of spending cash that the wife says I can use. And I went and bought some stock. And and then the stock market tanked even further, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to look at this. I'm just going to set some... Some buy orders, you know, if, if certain stocks reach a, a mark, uh, a, a point within 60 days, they'll sell. So I, I came in this morning and I had two sell notifications, uh, two transaction notifications in my email. Like two of my stocks actually went up and, and hit a mark that I, I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, they actually did well. But you see what I mean? This is just what is, this is really what is the sort of sad and horrifying thing about it is that really is just such unbelievably great news at this point that something did not get worse, you know? That it, that yeah, it didn't get worse, and in fact, it got ever so slightly better. It's cause for jubilation. It really is. I mean, uh, a Citigroup stock, Bank of America stock, uh, they're fighting back, and they're, they're doing a little bit better. Even AIG, well, I mean, it was down to like zero, so, you know, any anything... <laughs> Anything, any movement at all in AIG was good, but it actually went up, you know, if, you, if you're talking in percentages, AIG went up dramatically. It's like if you drive by the AIG headquarters and it's not actually on fire at this point. That's considered a real, that's considered a, a you know, a real, uh, a real bull day. Hey, if you got a few a few million bucks, you can buy AIG's headquarters now. They're they're putting it up for sale. I should just go in and ask if I can buy one of the desks. I should just go in and start looking around like, how much for this carpet in here? They are going to have a fire sale one day at AIG because basically that's what happens in a situation like this. Now that the government has so much money invested into AIG, they break off you know, the sellable parts and, and they find buyers for it. You know, they'll probably keep the AIG name because it's such a big company, but they'll split it up and they'll take you know, the stuff that's, that's still profitable and they'll sell it to somebody and make a profit and use some of that money to pay the government loans back and then the – the bad parts of the company, they'll try and find a buyer who who will see the long-term possibilities with them 
and just hold on to them until they. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put in a preemptive bet on that little ball clacker thing that sits on the guy's uh, desk in the front office. <laughs> All right. On that note, sir, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you very soon, Steve. Yes. Uh, just to let you know, I won't be here tomorrow. Damn so. you, Steve okay. Kastenbaum. All right. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, okay, bye. Talk to you soon. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum. Can't um, you see uh, AIG on sale on Craigslist? Three hundred dollars. OBO. Chance selling. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. By the way, when Adam West is on later, I'm going to ask him about Maxim Zool. I've been looking up um, Family Guy YouTube clips on the Internet. Excellent. He is just so hilarious. Adam West? Yes. Yes, he is, Sarah. Yes, he is. I hope it's intentionally. I, uh, he's going to be in that new... Well, he's got the, the Super Capers, I think, is the thing mm-hmm. that's coming out where it's uh, it's kind of this family comedy, but it's about... I think it's about a guy who has to join a bunch of sort of superhero impersonators or they're undercover super. It is a thing. It's Adam a West. good guy with no powers joins the superhero team with no clue against the bad against a bad guy with no shame. Excellent. It's no brain smasher a love story, but I'm sure it'll be fantastic. It's no Ford Fairlane. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. Hang on. There we go. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, a lot of people have. Strong opinions about what to do with those AIG guys. Here's one of the callers to CNN's Rick Sanchez. Hey, this is Rick Sanchez. Thanks for calling. Hey, Rick, it's your buddy Angry Bob in New York. Those AIG bums? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Did you hear what they did to the melamine guys in China who spiked the milk with poison? Up against the wall! So I think we should wow. get all the AIG guys bonuses in the form of full metal jackets. Enough with these guys. We've got to tear them apart. America first and... <laughs> Go get me arugula. That's wonderful. Wow. Well done, America. The wife of a United <laughs> Technology executive insists she simply can't live on a mere $53,000 a week. The Countess Marie is divorcing the UT chairman, who's 31 years her senior. He's worth over $300 million. Well, this woman... Uh, apparently spends $1,000 a week on her hair and skin treatment. She maintains a Park Avenue apartment in New York, three residents in Sweden. She spends another $4,500 a week on clothes, $1,500 on restaurants and entertainment. She's seeking $130,000 a month. Well, and I'm... between them, they have about 10 divorce lawyers. Wait, hold on a second. I'm attempting to care. Oh, I can't care. I'm sorry. Caring has been denied. By the way... Back on the Rick Sanchez thing? Yes. With the uh, the guy the guy calling up who's all up. Uh, Sanchez, thanks for calling. Hey, Rick, it's your buddy Angry Bob in New York. Yes. Uh, Angry Bob seems a little bit uh, excited and exercised about things. sounds kind of like Dennis Pittsburgh. It's sort of, he reminds me of, um, it was, a, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we uh, Laura and I were downtown, we were, uh, we were out, so we were going to Dante's or something, and then we were just Dante's to see Storm, and... It was a night that some other unpleasantness had already uh, happened. And anyway, so we left Dante's, and we're walking back to our car. And I forget exactly where it was. We were walking right through. And, you know, if you're if you're downtown on, like, I'd be like Burnside and about 3rd, you're down there, like, in the general vicinity. There's, like, that the, the House of Louis or whatever that place is. And you're walking through those stuff, and it's just, like, doucheville down there. I mean, it's just, especially if you're down there Friday or Saturday night, man, it's like Goontown. Yeah, you got to stay away from that area. You could, For I all mean, the, like, the douchey weekend warriors. It's like the, the median intelligence uh, that is in that part of town on any weekend night is just so low that it cannot even be charted. And it's just a bunch of guys that are awash in their dad's cologne, and they've got, like, shiny waxed-up chests. It's all very disconcerting. And if Solar and I are walking along trying to get to the car... And it, it just, I, we're just surrounded by one jackass after another with spiky hair and fake bling. 
And as we are attempting to cross the street at one point, there's a cab who comes around the corner. And one like he was driving unsafely, but the cab is sort of inching forward, trying to like, you know, trying to figure out if he can take a right-hand turn. Because the only the only thing worse than, than walking through that part of town on the weekend is trying to drive through that part of town. God help you. God help you if you are trying to, I mean, if you're like on second and maybe like cooch or something, you're trying to get somewhere. You're going to be getting nowhere because it's going to be a bunch of skank girls and their idiot boyfriends clogging up the road, trying to walk from one uh, club to another so they can, you know, be be crazy and, and whatever. And so the cab pulls up and he's trying to edge forward, so turn around the corner. And one of the like douche nozzle guys who's you know busy walking along with his uh, you know with his idiot uh, compatriots just shouts at the cab driver for no real reason. Get out of my way! USA at the top of his lungs. It was like the USA thing was particularly hilarious because I wanted to ask him like where did he think the cab driver was? Like where is it? Like where does he think the guy is working? It just doesn't even really make any sense. There's just even within like the particular like sort of retard context of that guy's mentality, there's no internal structure there. There is there is actually no sort of consistent logic contained within that uh, within that intended insult. Just my observation. Here's Tim Riley. Well, you never know what you're going to find when you're rummaging around Vancouver. Uh, somebody was shocked to find a man's head and legs sticking out from a bin, mixed in with cardboard bottles, aluminum cans, such. Uh, they don't know where it came from, but they're going to investigate it. No idea yet on who may be missing a head or legs. Then not too far from there was Shugal, a suspected bank robber, was arrested after a police chase and a crash in which he threw a bomb out of the car before he rolled it into a ditch. <laughs> Well, an ounce of prevention, Tim. You should see this guy's face. I posted on my website oh, at wow. RadioLive.com. He's kind of a young Mitchell Bigford. <laughs> I, I can He's see that. He's a 40-year-old Sean Bromley. Um, uh, late 80s, early 90s music fans in the house may uh, also know that he looks a lot like Jesse James Dupree from the band Jackal, famed for their hit The Lumberjack song. So apparently he walked into a bank with a note that said, I have a bomb, and he did. So it wasn't just an idle threat. I mean, you almost got to give it up to him for that, that he wasn't just... Because how often some idiot walks into the, I have a bomb and an incendiary device, and if you don't hand it over, my doomsday weapon will be used to immolate all of us. And it really is just, you know, it's like a suitcase full of He was of, having like, a bad dirt. day, too. He was evicted, and his girlfriend broke up with him, and he's handicapped. But he built a bomb. <laughs> I was going to say... But you're not leaving out the positive, Tim. You're, you're leaving the glass half empty. The good news is he was smart enough to build an explosive device. I couldn't do that, and I'm I not handicapped. I could not do that. I mean, really. Uh, you know, I get, look, I don't, it's not like I, I don't even have a hook for my hand, and I, can, you know, I can't do that. Well, this should make some people happy. City Hall says Portland has scored a pro soccer franchise. I know I'm happy. They're going to announce it tomorrow Wait, morning. Oh, no, I'm not Pro happy soccer. Like I always get those confused. Like, Which, uh, bend it with Beckham or whatever they do. But that's not the... Uh, the Portland Timbers are going major league. They wait, are. so so it's Major League Soccer. Wait, but I'm confused. Does that mean we're getting a different team? No, it's going to be the Timbers, but now they're going to be uh, uh, acknowledged as a Major League Soccer team. So they're going to bring like international a billion dollar and... new stadium, perhaps. Yeah. And so it's not this okay. So it's not like we're importing a team from somewhere else. No, we no, already have like one. the Galaxy or something. Yeah, no, this is the same team that's always we're been taking the Timbers. All right. Yeah. And so is this the reason that they've been trying to float this insanity of building? The, of having us build the soccer stadium, I suppose. Here's so. a, by yeah, the way, they want to keep the soccer. They want to keep PG Park as is and just make it just primarily a soccer stadium, and then bring baseball over to where uh, like the Rose Quarter is and stuff, and make a baseball stadium there for what Kinda like team? a Safeco field. Oh, I see. Oh, not okay, but not. No, they're not going to be importing another team. baseball team then to go with. No, them. no, but just just making a different stadium so that they can have one stadium full time for soccer. 
That I seemed, don't know. That seems like a fantastic idea. By I the way, know. lest anybody think that I'm just being obnoxious about the soccer thing. Here, no, you know I'm a Timbers fan, but I still don't really get why it's a good idea to bring it to Portland. I so, think they should finish the construction downtown where they're tearing up the streets first before I, we play soccer. It, well, and, and my observation would be this. Uh, this has nothing to do with with uh, Timber Local. Many of my best friends are, are Timbers, Timbers. Uh, players and Timbers enthusiasts. So it has nothing to do with that. It has everything Yay, to do with the, the business underpinnings of the stadium. Here's how you know it's a bad idea, by the way, and a poor investment and a money loser. The team themselves won't pay for it. That's how you know. The team, you know, if it was such a great money maker, you know, why would you give that money away to the city? If it was guaranteed to make you money, the team would do it themselves, and they would keep all the revenue it's going to bring in. But they know it's not going to bring in any revenue, which is why every time they do this in any city, they have the city pay for it. Because the team knows it's not going to make any money. So, I mean, that's just, that's the sort of dead giveaway to the fact that it's going to be a huge boondoggle. I'm just, I'm, I've always loved going to Timbers games. What I'm not looking forward to is, you know, now that they're major league, the price is going to like double to go to the game. So now, you know... At first, like, all the Timbers fans are really excited about it, but then I'm kind of like, wait, what's the benefit? Because now, like, a $10 ticket's going to be $25, and they're going to be, like, it's going to be packed full of, like, jackasses. Yeah, mm. but on the plus side, there'll be more construction that'll be tedious and endless. <laughs> how, about, how about a double-level stadium? Soccer on the bottom, baseball on top. Exactly, Tim. That way they can save all that space. Be like, uh, or they could just, it could be just like walk that. walk up a flight of stairs, and it's a different game. <laughs> it could be like that Daffy Duck House of the Future. He was always showing Bugs Bunny where the top floor just comes down and on the bottom floor. Uh, we'll do one more here, and then around the corner, we have seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, coming up later on. Adam West of Batman and Family Guy fame, Academy Award winning actor Nicolas Cage, and so forth. 1,000 Gambian villagers have been abducted by witch doctors, taken to a secret detention center, forced to drink potions, and then beaten to death. Wow. I'm sorry. I I have to to drink these unknown substances that cause them to hallucinate and behave erratically. Then, I guess they're waterboarded into admitted to being witches. Then they're just beaten to death. There's a picture of a Gambian witch doctor here, too. The head witch doctor. Yes? I have no, no. I have to. Okay, oh, I'm just saying. If I, I, if, there's if, an eyewitness that says the paramilitary with guns and shovels surround our village and threaten the villagers that anyone who tries to escape will be buried six feet under, if not five. They're forced to drink dirty <laughs> herbal water. Dirty herbal water. <laughs> I'm sorry. They, I shouldn't they, be laughing they at this because it they develop diarrhea and vomiting. These poor Gambian villagers. What is the point of giving somebody diarrhea if you're going to beat them to death like an hour later? That's just a waste of resources. Look, I mean, why don't you save the why do you would you save the diarrhea tea for somebody that you're just sort of cross at? What, you, what else are you supposed to do during the day in Gambia? Well, I guess there's you have to make your own fun, Tim. There's no like sports center or anything no. there. If we were a or lesser soccer stadium, if the, if we were a lesser program, mm-hmm. if this program did not have the strong moral compass and internal internal ethical barometer, really there was a wholly hilarious but inappropriate joke that I would have made. I might do it later. I'm going to ponder it. That would usually be done by others. I'm going to, I'm going to take it Constantly back. Constantly looking forward. I'm going to take it back to the office and sort of workshop it. It's the Rick Emerson program. It's Rock 101. KUFO. Are you sure it was a tea they were giving them? It wasn't like some sort of a, wasn't like a capsule of some kind? Diarrhea-inducing tea? Was that right next to the, like, the scabies-inducing licorice or something? Well, that would be a treat for Gambia. It's the it's the Gambian pick-me-up, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with the French Open. All right. Well, in any event. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970.
970 uh, is still ahead today. We have seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop from Los Angeles, who will be uh, joining us today. We'll also be uh, talking to Carl Click from K2, who's going to be stopping by the studio. Portland television news icon, uh, Carl Click, will be here. We'll talk to Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage and Adam West of Family Guy and Batman fame. This, however, is Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Actor Liam Nielsen quietly waved to a throng of flashing cameras as he exited a black SUV in the Upper West Side in New York. This after his wife passed away, after uh, Miss Robinson was disconnected from life support. Actress Jane Seymour says she's still in shock over this whole thing. I'm still in shock. I just can't believe that it happened to someone so young. And, uh, I mean, it, it has to be devastating to her family, obviously, but I think it's devastating to everybody. Natasha Richardson was only 45. In a 2007 interview, she credited her husband, actor Liam Nielsen, for getting her through ups and downs in her career. I'm destined to play difficult parts for very little money rather than easy parts for a lot of money. And I would like a lot of money, but um, I'm doing very nicely and I'm married to a very successful man and I've got more than most people could ever hope for. Are you sure it's the right? She sounds like she's about 90 years yeah. old. No, that's her voice. I remember her in The Parent Trap with Lindsay the Lohan. The Parent Trap. Mm -hmm. she, was also, uh, she was also in Cabaret. Uh, she huh? was in the Broadway revival of Cabaret, which I think is where she won. I think she won a Tony uh, for that, but I could be wrong. Right. Senator Chris Dodd admits it. He inserted language in the economic stimulus bill last month to accept bonuses paid to executives before February 11th, giving the green light for all those AIG things. The alternative was losing, in my view, the entire section on executive excessive compensation. Given the choice, uh, this is not an uncommon occurrence here, I agreed to a modification uh, in the legislation, reluctantly. Uh, he says he's caught in quite the pickle this time. They came to us and asked for modifications in the amendment. The alternative was, of course, losing the amendment entirely, which was a possibility. I, I didn't want to see that happen. I suspect we'd be having a conversation uh, tonight about why we didn't include some language in here to deal with bonuses, golden parachutes, and the like. I don't know uh, anything about Chris Dodd except that listening to him right there, it sounds to me as though he looks a lot like Powers Booth, but I could be wrong about that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the bad economy is encouraging people to get chickens. Farm supply stores in Washington say they're seeing more interest in chicken feed. Pets or meat, Tim. Mm -hmm. The Big R Ranch supply store in East of... Oh, how do you pronounce this? One of those Indian names. Uh, said rural homeowners who want to cut down on their fuel bills are buying chickens as fast as they come into the store. I think it's pronounced Iron Eyes Cody. Oh, that could be. Uh, the company's five stores have been selling lots of chickens, and people are showing up for chicken classes. They anticipate a big year in the chicken business, so why not buy some? I realize now that I wasn't really paying attention to this story because I just kept fixating on the fact that there are chicken classes and that people are showing up for chickens. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Are these, are these Raising chickens. chickens. Oh, okay, so people, like, isn't people stopping by to like, like just pick one up to take it home to, to, to cook it up? No, They're no. actually going to be raising them and keeping them right. around themselves. As a matter of fact, I saw a class of PCC on raising chickens, and it said at the bottom, real chickens will be in class. <laughs> Is Burgess <laughs> Meredith going to be there to chase you around a vacant lot, too? Perhaps you got to run for it! I have uh, friends who want to raise chickens. I'd be mad if I lived next to someone with chickens if they made a lot of noise. Uh, I, chickens don't make noise. Roosters do. So chickens don't make noise? No. Chickens just go cluck, cluck, cluck. That is a noise, a noise, I think, technically speaking. <laughs> that, is, that is not... Yeah, I don't want to go all Noah that, Webster. That is a low-pitched chicken noise. So they make it a rooster's crowing. So it's a, it's a very... If it's, given a choice. So it's a very specific kind of noise. It's a narrowly defined kind of sound that they make. It kind of lulls you into a state of... Oh, I know what you're talking about. They make like a cooing sort of a sound. Cluck, or is that cluck, pigeons? Cluck, cluck, cluck. 
No, well, I guess that's a cluck. Well, pigeon is a, 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 a chicken with a higher voice. Oh, God. Now we're going to be back to that thing of playing that that sea crane noise or whatever it was oh, the other true. day. All right. Well, in any event, chickens and so forth. By the way, I would just say this. When we were having this whole discussion the other day about that one line or the place for the show that has what I think, I think we discovered that it is, in fact, the sound of a seagull. But we're having a discussion about whether it was a rooster. And there is somewhere, I don't know if it still exists, there is, in fact, a photo that was taken of me when I was real young. Um, we used to have to go visit some of my idiot family members who lived on a farm. And I remember one day, it was like, I, I got up and I heard this weird sound, and it was like a whole lot of like, and then followed by like a thump. And and then a thump, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell is that? It was like six or seven years old, and I couldn't, and it was a weird, strange, sort of cyclical, rhythmic, kind of repetitive noise. It was a series of noises that seemed on a loop to me. And so I'm about seven years old, and I get up, and I, uh, being an idiot, I just follow the sound, and I go, and I open the screen door, and sure enough, there's my uncle and my cousin who are out there, yes, killing chickens with an axe. And you always hear that phrase about, well, you'd run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Not just a phrase, Tim. That's not an aphorism. That actually happens. And let me just tell you. Oh, my grandfather used to do it next door. People who were around during the Depression think nothing of chopping off a chicken's head. No, I mean, look, at as Ted Nugent would say, you got to kill it before you can grill it. But if you're not really prepared for that sight when you're seven years old, maybe it's early in the morning, that is a wholly disconcerting image to be taking into your young brain. What's this? Oh, my God, it's a chicken without a head, and it's coming right toward me. That's a thing that's going to take you several hours, sort of sitting and rocking alone in a closet to kind of get past. I'm just making the observation. Here's Tim Ryan. A big bloody block of wood. You know what went on there. Yes, you do, Tim. But but see, as kids, you don't know because all the chickens were the same color. All the chickens are black, and they're all named Blackie. So if one Blackie is missing, (laughs) you you really don't think that one of them lost its head. Is that? Do they do that? uh, If you have kids on a farm, is that the deal? Do you give the chickens all the same names so that they can't get too attached to it? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to call him Blackie 15. No personalization. All right. Don't look him in the eye. Tim Bradley is at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Well, leave it to the Chinese to ruin something. Now, apparently, they're putting things in Johnson & Johnson baby products. Chinese health authorities are investigating the products made by Johnson & Johnson in response to a U.S. consumers group charges that uh, they're using chemicals that cause cancer in babies. At this, at this point, why would, be, uh, why would we be allowing the Chinese to make anything that we're going to put on any part of our body. Well, we have to because they're financing the operation of this country now, buying up all these bonds yeah. well, and whatnot. But, but see, you would... <laughs> but you would... I mean, you would think that it would be in the best interest of the Chinese to not be uh, putting cancer all over our children because, I mean, who are they going to sell debt to in the future? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, today's baby is tomorrow's idiot American consumer that needs to borrow money from overseas financiers. So you would think that they would want to keep us alive and sort of on the dole as long as possible. So the VIG keeps running. But, I mean, you know, what do and, I know? And not content to just uh, spread it to the U.S. Now they're selling these cancerous baby products in France. Well, I'm just saying that really when it comes time to slather your child's skin in something, maybe if it says made in China, I don't know, you might want to give that a second or fifth thought. Hear I mean, that, Octomom? It's my, it's my observation. Well, a drunken mob celebrates St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. They attacked uh, firefighters, police, torch cars, set off bombs. It was another fine St. Patrick's Day in Ireland as inebriated mobs uh, turned districts of Dublin, Belfast into a living nightmare. <laughs> it was dusk to dawn drinking on Ireland's national holiday. Police in the Republic is saying they're adding up the number of arrests. Uh, they could easily... They could exceed 200. That's not too bad, but typical in recent years. It's good to see they're doing everything they can to lift the image of the Irish people around the world. Well done, hooligans. 19 teenagers and 20-somethings, mostly students as usual, were arrested during several hours of clashes with riot police. It was riotous behavior. 
We will not abandon an area as big as Ireland to drunken thugs. But they had no choice yesterday. Really? What is that? Is that story from? Uh, is that story from 50 years ago? We will not allow Ireland to become the province of. And you get the feeling that in Ireland, like in some other places in this world, that there's just a big pile of bombs sitting at everybody's home, like in a spare room next to some like peaches that are in a can that you're just sort of waiting to use. You know, I, what should we do today? I don't know. Let's set off some bombs. And then they go back. They, you know, right. It's, you know, it's right next to the, uh, you know, it's right next to the pickled pig's ears. It's like they never stop rioting in Ireland. When I went there eight years, nine years ago, we couldn't go to Belfast and I wanted to see it because there were too many riots and it was too dangerous to go there. You would there. think that really, I mean, they would have difficulty actually, you know, like in this Continuing it? Well, I was going to say, you'd think they'd have difficulty remaining upright long enough to really get a successful riot going. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of like their video game. Yes, it is, Tim. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Yeah. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Real quickly, I just had the greatest headline here. This is from Florida, of course. St. Petersburg Council member Jim Kennedy shows off his colon. That's from St. Petersburg. And then it says, I think probably needlessly, well, you don't see this every day, says uh, TampaBay.com. City Council member Jim Kennedy shared medical images from his recent colon exam to help promote cancer awareness during today's televised city council meeting. That's fantastic. Well, there's something to be said for raising awareness of one's own brand, isn't there, Jim Kennedy? Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the Rick Emerson program from Los Angeles, CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How you doing, brother man? Doing okay, man. Okay. Hey, uh, so is it uh, is it tonight uh, that uh, that Obama's going to be on Leno? Yeah. And then somebody told me, and I didn't think this was true, but I, I guess it must be, or they couldn't say it on the television, that it's the first time an elected, you know, a, a sitting president has been on has been on a late night show. Uh, I think it was Nixon who did it via satellite, but the first time it's been somebody actually there. Is it, you know, that's, it, the logistics are nuts. My kids go to high, the high school right next to NBC. And for Christ's sake, man, I told my kids, I said, I told my, I told Ryan, I said, I'm glad you drive, man, because I'm not taking you. Yeah, well, I can't even imagine the security procedures that are in place there, and you know, and, and as you said, the logistics of it, and you know, taping it, you know, earlier in the day, but of course, everybody sort of knows that, which means they begin swarming uh, the location. Right. <coughs> Pardon me, just trying to get you know, sort of any, because Obama does have, and such a cliche, but he has that whole rock star thing going on, which just means you get. You know, everybody from, you know, just from from enthusiasts to, to, you know, to the people who are into politics to just whack jobs of all varieties from like 15 different counties heading that way. You know, I was over at NBC this morning uh, talking to some folks in line. I haven't seen that many people in line this early at NBC since the Jonas Brothers were going to be on The Tonight Show. So that whole rock star thing. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Which is That's interesting great. because you would, uh, you know, he was obviously, you know, making the rounds as as was everybody uh, up to and including Fred Thompson, the firecracker of energy yeah. that he is during the campaign. <laughs> but then once you get elected, they sort of say, well, you, you know, you're president, you can't really do it now because it diminishes you. You know, it sort of dims your star power if you are kind of slumming it as, you know, as the elected president on some talk show somewhere. But I don't think that's really the case. I think Obama has very much, he's got that. You know, he's got that kind of common touch thing going on that well, I think... very smart. Yeah. It's several things he's doing that I think are smart. First of all, this whole policy agenda he has with his stimulus package, the recovery package, you know, his $1.6 trillion budget, he's got to sell it to the public. The best place to start that is in California. It's a blue state. I mean, he even did very well in the Republican stronghold of Orange County. He started his trip in Orange County. Very A lot of support there. So he's in... A friendly territory. Then he's got the media market that L.A. is. 
the built-in audience of The Tonight Show and talking to a more mature audience as it's late night. So he's doing a lot of things right, sort of this FDR fireside chat thing in the Great Depression, taking the message to the media uh, to rally the public support for his policy agenda here. It's really quite smart. He's real... He's real good at using technology, plus he communicates well. Well, and you know, as much as I'm not necessarily a big fan of Leno, this is exactly the right sort of venue. It's the right forum, because yeah. you, you, know, you go on Letterman much, and I really do love Letterman, but the same things that make Letterman so great as a host are the same things that make him a little bit of a dicey proposition, because Letterman's clearly just not intimidated by anybody. And it's not like he's a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, but just like Jon Stewart has you know, shown over the last few weeks, if he feels like somebody needs to be asked a you know, hard question about something, he's not going to have any qualms about doing it. Yeah. And but Jay Leno will throw him softballs. Exactly. That's you know, what he, and it, it's it's Obama's smart to do this. No, it's it. Jay Leno will do that, and he'll uh, you know he'll do it in a voice that starts real high yeah. and ends up real low at the end. Hey, so real, what do you think about all the stuff that's going on about you? <laughs> just very quickly, have you seen this photograph of Charles Manson that they just released? No. Uh, Tim, where is that it's from? It's on uh, RileyLive.com. So if you go to RileyLive.com, which is Tim Riley's uh, continuously updated blog and website featuring news of all fashions. They just showed a picture of Manson, which, and I guess we're just so used to seeing kind of the weird, scraggly-haired, like Allman Brothers Manson, you know, where he's got the, like the, the swastika, and he's all, you know, and he's he's got kind of that weird Prince Valiant after sticking his head in a wind tunnel kind of look. That photo of him now, I mean, I guess you sort of realize that he's, I don't know, he's old, yeah. kindly old man, just with a swastika on his forehead. <laughs> here's the here's the thing. You know what he looks like? He kind of looks like Saddam Hussein. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? After he had been captured and he, like, he'd been in the clink for a while and you get the feeling he was kind of uh, being worked over like five times a day by the guards before they finally just hung his ass. That's what, um, that's what Manson looks like. If you get a chance, go dig up this, uh, this photograph of him. Because I'll tell you what, if I didn't know it was Charles Manson, I would never uh, have known. First of all, he's completely Whoa. bald. Yeah, totally bald for one thing. And then he's got, he kind of looks Who's like... The dude underneath him? Uh, the guy underneath him is, uh, he's a local, is he a the local Washington criminal? bank robber. That's the guy that threw the bomb at the cops. Yeah, he's a guy. He rolled his car. <laughs> it was, he, he lost his job at his girlfriend, robs a bank and throws a bomb at the cops. Yeah, as, as the cops were chasing him, the guy was speeding away and deduced at one point that he was going to roll his car into a ditch. And not wishing to add explosive insult to a traumatic injury, he actually threw a bomb out the car window before the accident. You know, because... You know, you, you want to prevent any sort of needless exacerbation of one's injuries. Well, he, he promised the people at the bank he did have a bomb. And he delivered. Mm-hmm. So, in any event, it's a uh, it's a strange world, Jim's oh, That's a great website. Yeah, it really is. Tim Riley's website, Riley Live. My final thought on Charles Manson there. You know, he here's the other thing he looks like. He looks like some unholy combination of um, George Carlin, Saddam Hussein post uh, sort of arrest capture, yeah. and then that Fritzel guy in Austria that was like sticking all his kids <laughs> in a basement for 30 years. So I'm just you, you feel free to use that comparison later on the day if you want it, sir. <laughs> I will. Thank All right, you, thank you, my friend. You bet. All right, go CNN radio correspondent James Roop. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. So confusing. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come this morning. Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and K2's Carl Click, because The Rick Emerson Show is live, local, and relatable. Now with news of the world, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, it seems the latest trend here in Oregon is father and son crime teams. we got a couple to tell you about. First, these two made America's most wanted. 33-year-old Michael Collins and his 16-year-old son, Tevin, 
That's 33 and 16. So they were off to a bad start to begin with. They're accused of... Uh, they're on America's Most Wanted. That's, uh, that's the wrong foot on which to begin, yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess father and son were having a, a tat contest to see who could get the most, and piercings, too. Well, it's, at least, it's hard to tell them apart. At least they're wanted for something, Tim. What was the nature of the crime? Uh, it's bad stuff. First of all, it happened in Wilshugobor. A lot of bad things are happening lately. Is that where the reason. bomb guy was? The bomb guy was. And these two beat up a cross-country skier, left him in the woods, and stole his SUV. So they're on America's Most Wanted tonight. Not to be outdone, we have the father and son bank bombing team. Uh, they set the trial for March 1st for father and son. This is a uh, bank bomb. It, it killed uh, two people, so it wasn't very pleasant here. Here we have uh, Joshua Turnbridge, who's 32, and his dad, Bruce, who's 57. So they uh, built a bomb and blew it up. I'm back on the thing about beating up a cross-country skier. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like a cross-country, uh, cross-country skiing is not a thing where it's like at a ski resort or a ski lodge. It's like no, you just go through the woods. Through the woods. Where, but doesn't that imply that they were just sort of hanging out in the woods and a guy sort of happened along and mm-hmm. it, Daddy, the guy did skiing stuff. What should we do? Uh, kick his ass. And then they just sort of set upon him like rabid wolves. Yeah, basically. Who's just hanging out in the woods waiting for some guy to happen the by on da- skis? The woods are dangerous everywhere. I wouldn't go into them. Well, I guess that's true. If Eli Roth has taught us anything, it's to uh, it's to avoid woods, wooded areas at all costs. The cost. woods will kill you. No, that's that's a fair point, Tim. If it isn't nature, it's bad people in them. Father and son stuff. Well, let's go to Florida now and see what's going on there. Where, Tim? Florida. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I had to Okay. A teenage student has been suspended because he intentionally passed gas. The 15-year-old well Jonathan Locke Jr. has been suspended. The team repeatedly passed gas to make other children laugh. It also, they claim, made it difficult to breathe. His dad says his son's not perfect. Boys will be boys, Tim. Let's see. So let's go to this, uh, back to this AIG thing. You watch uh, Edward Liddy on the television yesterday? No, see, and I heard this. this it was, was the, riveting. It was on all afternoon. It was the testimony that I, I know everybody was sort of uh, talking about, it, and I just managed to miss it. I only kind of got the recap on Anderson Cooper. Well, now from now on, they promise to do the right thing. I've asked those who receive retention payments in excess of $100,000 or more to return at least half of those payments. Some have already stepped forward and offered to give up 100% of their payments. He will be given diarrhea and then beaten to death by witch doctors. Sent to Gambia. Yeah. Uh, New Hampshire Congressman Paul Hodes expressed anger at AIG. As far as the American people are concerned, I think AIG now stands for arrogance, incompetence, and greed. That's going to be like that bare DNA joke that John McCain keeps uh, rolling out, that he was just doing like every, uh, every 15 minutes in every campaign stop. A Connecticut kindergarten teacher accused of forcing the kids to eat food out of a garbage can. A five-year-old Bridgeport student tossed his chicken nuggets and banana on the cafeteria trash, and then the teacher allegedly pulled the food out of the trash and forced him to eat it. He had told his mother, and uh, the mother uh, came downtown to Bridgeport Police Department and approached us about the incident. We, in fact, did confirm the matter, and um, subsequently the, uh, the teacher was issued a, a summons for uh, the incident. Well, that's just a lesson in frugality, Tim. This while the child was having lunch in the cafeteria. He abruptly uh, finished what he wanted and, and uh, tossed the rest in, into the garbage. Apparently, the uh, the teacher seen what was going on and um, she approached the child and uh, made him retrieve uh, the uh, food items out and uh, eat the remaining uh, food that was left on his plate. You know, the other day I accidentally threw something away that I intended to eat, and I did actually have that long dark tea time of the soul where I just I stared into the trash, and time just sort of stretched out into infinity while I wondered and there was nobody home there was nobody around 
And it was like that whole Costanza thing of just looking at the item in the trash and thinking to myself. And it was in a wrapper, too. That was the other thing. It was a thing that was actually still wrapped. The wrapper was open, but the wrapper was around it, and I don't believe it had touched any garbage. But it wasn't even like a, it wasn't in like a trash thing that had like papers. I mean, it was like in the kitchen garbage. And I threw it in. And then you have that whole discussion inside your head of how long can it sit inside the kitchen trash can before the smell just permeates it to the point that it would, in fact, be like eating garbage? Oh, God. And I mean, see, that's my and that's it. And as soon as I had that thought in my head, it was all over. Like, that was when I pulled the ripcord. Just the whole thought of the garbage smell. Because, you know, when you say garbage smell, you know what it is? That's the, uh, that's the aroma of garbage juice, which I do think... Uh. We know that that's one of the most vile substances. I would think anything longer than like ten seconds. Uh, but see, not even that. I mean, it no, was... not even that. Actually, I've never taken anything out of the garbage. Is that is that true? No, it is true. My friend Chris in high school though used to like root through the garbage, and he was like this little like skater punk kid. He root through the garbage. He would root through in, in the cafeteria and like eat food out of the garbage. It was the grossest thing. Just for like for style points or something. Just because, just because he was hungry. By the way, it's the verb root hungry that really makes that work. It's sort of like a like as though he were some sort of a. Like he was some sort of a like a truffle hound in Vision Streetwear. Well, he clothing. didn't care. It's just you know one of those like like dirty skater kids who. Just oh, oh I know them well. Yes, exactly. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KUF. Oh. oh. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come this morning, from K2, Carl Click, Academy Award-winning actor, Nicolas Cage. Later on, Adam West, uh, Batman and Family Guy fame. And uh, mere moments, our good friend Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Tim Riley's working on the following stories this morning at the news desk. Oh, a sugar bank robber throws a bomb at police just before he rolls his getaway car. Rihanna has another run-in with the cops without Chris Brown in the car this time. Workers at a Vancouver recycling bin are shocked to find a man's head and legs mixed in with bottles and aluminum cans. A woman gives birth on the plane and throws the baby away. It's odd that it's just the head and legs and that it's with the bottles and the cans. Do you think maybe that's all you could see? Like maybe the rest of the body was in there, but they were just the ones poking out? Oh, like maybe they didn't sort of root around inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just kind of uh, given it a gander. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they decided to call the man yeah. to come look at it, which is, I think, what I would do. I don't think you're going to be, uh, you know, it's not Ray Brower. You don't want to be jabbing at it with a stick or anything. You don't want to do that. If you see it, look, if you're in Vancouver, really, anywhere, and you see, like, head and legs laying around, leave that be, won't you? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, our good friend, Mr. Skin. Hello and greetings to you, sir. Yeah, hey, Rick. Congrats on the morning gig. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, there's a movie that opens in theaters this weekend called I Love You, Man starring Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. And even though there's beer fights, dirty jokes, and it's R-rated, there's no female nudity, uh, celebrity nudity in this movie. But one of the main girls in the movie is Jamie Presley, who you probably yes. know as the wife on My Name is Earl. I don't know if a lot of people know that back in 1997, she did a movie called Poison Ivy 3, where uh, she is completely nude. And it's uh, one of the best uh, movies for nudity of the 90s, in my opinion. And uh, uh, though there's no nudity in I Love You, Man, Jamie Presley has done great nudity, and it's in Poison Ivy. Jamie Rick. Presley really is, uh, yeah, she's quite a looker. I, I have to say, by the way, let, I don't want to try to pass myself as more knowledgeable uh, about Poison Ivy films than I really am. I had no idea. I don't even think I really ever saw Poison Ivy 2. I think I well, kinda... that had Alyssa Milano naked, so that is one you might want to make sure you see right, at some point. <laughs> Duly noted, writing it down right now. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, the the uh, franchise of Poison Ivy, the original had Drew Barrymore in very sexual uh, scenes. Uh, you had Alyssa Milano in two, Jamie Presley in three, 
And uh, in four, which came out on DVD earlier this year, uh, Miriam McDonald, who you might people might know from Degrassi, The Next Generation, uh, made her nude debut in that. So it's been an incredible franchise for celebrity nudity. Excellent. Yeah. Also on DVD this week is Elegy, a movie with Penelope Cruz, and uh, she shows her cruise missiles two different times in the movie. And uh, the, yes. uh, if you don't mind the fact that uh, she actually has a sex scene with Ben Kingsley, I think you'll enjoy the great nudity from Penelope Cruz. It's the twelfth time she's been naked in her career. Pretty impressive for an A-list actress. And finally, I wanted to mention uh, The Nanny Season 3 is out on DVD this week, and uh, I'm sure, Rick, you'll be picking that up at uh, uh, the video store. No, I pre-ordered it. It uh, (laughs) arrived any moment now. Yeah, but just as a a little trivia, uh, nudity trivia from The Nanny, uh, Fran Drescher, believe it or not, was undressured one time in her career. It was in a 1990 movie called Cadillac Man with Robin Williams, and seven minutes in, uh, she showed breasts. It's the only time uh, the nanny has ever been nude uh, in her career. Now, the girl that played the daughter on that show, Madeline Zima, uh, that played Grace Sheffield, she was like an eight-year-old when the show started. Well, she grew up and uh, on, on uh, uh, David Duchovny's Californication on Showtime uh, in season one, uh, she had an incredible nude scene and has had a real fun reoccurring character on that uh, uh, show. So a uh, little nanny nudity, nudity trivia for you. Uh, nanny season three is out on really, DVD this week. Showtime has really become just a rich vein of nudity gold. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's, a, that's a network that really knows where its bread is buttered, you know? Oh, yeah, it's smart. And they've actually overtaken HBO as far as nudity, in my opinion. I think there's more good shows for nudity on Showtime than there are on HBO. HBO kind of had the... Uh, monopoly on nudity for a while and now uh, showtime really it not only caught up they've surpassed them so uh let's hope hbo has more new shows with nudity coming up excellent as always doing the lord's work my friend thank you so much all right rick take there you go mr skin from mrskin.com hbo is pulling ahead in the uh, the uh, totally unimportant culture and writing categories though <laughs> just real quickly i know that we probably discussed this before but i always get confused i can never keep this uh, straight in my own head there's poison ivy that's a, that is Drew Barrymore, the first one, Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano is the second one. Which now, see, I think I have seen it. And I haven't seen the third one with Jamie Presley, who I do love. But yeah, the first one has Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt. Okay, so what is the one? They're humping on the car. So what? Wait, so so what's the... Am I thinking of The Babysitter? The Babysitter has uh, Alicia... Silverstone? Silverstone, yeah. Then what's The Crush? Oh, no. The Crush has Alicia Silverstone. Which one has Carrie Elwes in it? So uh, you don't know so no. that you can't tell them apart. That's the thing. Oh, it's like a, Carrie Elwes, the guy from uh, Princess Bride, and Saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is in the crush because I remember the cover of of it because she's wearing heart shaped glasses. And the babysitter, I think, is character actor J. P. Walsh. Um, the girl who played Felicity, Carrie Russell. Really? Almost positive. You know what it is? This is like a Coke, Pepsi, RC Cola uh, kind of a thing. I mean, there is some sort of. Okay, I'm banking on uh, the babysitter, Carrie Russell, the crush, Alicia Silverstone. How confident are you? Uh, 98%. All right, I'm writing down these predictions. Okay, Crush, Alicia Silverstone? Yes. Okay, the babysitter's Carrie Russell? Yes. All right, Carrie Russell. And then uh, Poison Ivy is Drew Barrymore. We sort of know that one. All right. And duly noted. Still to come, Carl Click from K2 Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage and the news with Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Adam West, Adam West. A little bit softer now. Adam West, Adam West. Adam West, Adam West. I'll come out when they're all gone. Creepy. 
Thanks to the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Just ahead, the news with Tim Riley after that Carl Click from K2. Later on this hour, Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage and Adam West coming up for the uh, end of the program. Plus, Lost in 408, our recap of last night's Lost episode. What should I ask Adam West? I don't know. While you're pondering, my first question out of the gate, I want to know what... I mean, it, and you got to talk about Batman. It's that whole thing, you know, you're kind of splitting the difference with a guy like Adam West. Because you got to figure, he... Who's a better Joker? That's a good question, actually. Now, I bet he'll be gracious, and he'll probably... This is my, my guess here. My, my speculation is that he'll be very gracious by just say, Well, they're all good in their own sort of way. They each bring something to the table. Um, you, you know, I know that he has sort of issues with the fact that, like, the, 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 like the recasting of Batman is a very sort of noirish thing. It's, I don't know. He doesn't really cotton to that too much. I think he, he thinks it's a little too bleak. Because he talks a lot about, well, one of the things missing from Batman is the sense of fun. Which I suppose is true. Whatever happened to Yvonne Craig, Batwoman? Hey, there you go. I'm going to ask what the Batsuit is made out of, though. The one he had to wear on the TV show. Because it's... I can't it looks quite... like that paper-thin, like, felt stuff. See, that, but I was thinking maybe polyester, but I think it was actually sort of before polyester. So my question, like, was it breathable at all? I mean, it sounds like a dumb thing, but that's something I've wondered about forever. Because I think, isn't that like Don Geronimo or somebody that actually owns one of the original Batsuits? He might. I think he does. Anyway, uh, in just one moment, Tim Riley at the news desk will get some of these telephone calls. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Good morning to you. Hey, Rick, just hey. want to tell you that you're an absolute genius. Well, it's true. It's not really that true, uh, but I appreciate the compliment nonetheless. Uh, what prompted you to say that, sir? The Ray Broward reference. Oh, well, you know, I did, look. If, the best ever. I try to go no more than 10 days without throwing in uh, some sort of a line from either Stand By Me or just Stephen King's oeuvre in general. So it's uh, it's what I do, sir. That was great. Uh, Rick, one more thing? Yes, sir. Bastard, <laughs> I will find you and kill everyone you know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, this is uh, Fred the G-Man. How you doing, Rick? Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm... Yes, hello. Hey. Hi. Howdy. Yeah, you should ask uh, Adam West, uh, hey, uh, pie or cake? Yes. Which would he prefer? Maybe he'd prefer to hear about Baba Booey. Baba Booey! Baba Booey! Yes. There you go. I don't get it. No, there's nothing to get there, sir. Oh. It was funny like five years ago. <laughs> You're being very generous with that assessment, by the way. All right. Well done, sir. You've impressed no one. In the news with Tim Riley. Now, I know this is a big deal to a lot of people. Portland City Hall has announced the Major League Soccer franchise is coming to Portland. They make the big announcement tomorrow. So it may be the Portland Timbers moving up the ladder. Now, how do they... My microphone just turned off all of a sudden. How is it that they determine when the team has become Major League? I mean, is it sort of, I mean, is there some sort of specific criteria for that, or is it just like a guy somewhere just kind of makes the gut call? They're like, well, all right. I mean, do they have to win a certain amount of games, or do they have to draw a certain amount of well, fans? Well, they have to show that there's a, yeah, that there's a draw. In the city. Which it certainly is. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's like a pretty this game. big one. Yeah, I guess. So why... I know that you probably answered this before, and it's not that I wasn't listening so much as it is just the sports knowledge in my head. It, 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 it's very, it's like, a, like an immovable object, irresistible force kind of a thing. Because me, my brain is just trying to fill up with observations about Battlestar Galactica so I can roll them out for like a BSG drinking game this, this Friday. And, and, you know, and then you're trying to give me sports knowledge, and it's like the two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. My question to you is... Why can't they just play where they're playing next? They play at PGE Park, do they not? Mm -hmm. Okay, so they can't play there in the future. Like, why? Well, no matter what team plays there, they always say it's lousy. It needs to be reconstructed. That's yeah, true. It's an, it's an old building, and plus, like, they share it with a baseball team as mm -hmm. well. So, like, there are all kinds of sports going on there, so it isn't like 
the ideal terrain for either you know, grass, baseball or but I, soccer. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not trying to be argumentative no, about no, this. I, I just don't I, understand. I agree with you. Every two years, people say this thing is falling apart and we have to spend a million dollars more. Because here's my question. I really am curious about this mm-hmm. because I'm trying to be rooted in the community. They're, it's not like they're adding a new sport, though, right? In other words, it's not like they got baseball going and soccer, and they were going to be like putting Hialeah in there. Right now, they're doing baseball and they're doing soccer, and everybody seems to get their game on. Doesn't seem to be any problems. Like the guy, baseball guys go on baseball day, soccer guys go on soccer day. Exactly. Well, I think that like if, where the need for the new stadium. If they have two separate know. stadiums, then they can play more than just the season. So if it's major league soccer, then they, there can be games going. Oh, all they the can time. do the ever so. They can do the always exciting exhibition games. Why don't oh, they God, just hire I, more gardeners? You know, the only thing more exciting I never than go a, to exhibition games. No, I, it's just such BS. But, uh, I mean, you know, look as thrilling as and gripping as a one-one tie is in soccer. The only thing that makes it more exciting is when it doesn't actually count. That's really the way that you uh, ratchet up and the... And they're uh, more expensive, too. Oh, don't they have to dry off the grass after the rain? I don't think you dry off grass. No. Isn't there dirt that does that? Wouldn't they... Wouldn't doesn't they nature... And doesn't Don't science and nature sort of uh, dry off the grass and wind and so forth? Maybe that's what the problem is here. You know what they ought to do is they ought to, do, they ought to say that they can play, but they ought to have AstroTurf. And not and I'm not talking about like the modern day... The hurdy, scratchy like Brady, kind? Eggs. Brady Bunch? No, it, exactly. No, the, yeah, the kind that just abrades your epidermis right off of you. The kind that we had growing up, like not my backyard, but it's sort of like our back because we were sophisticates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our back, our back patio area was just covered in like this cheap ass astroturf. I mean, I can't even imagine how little. I think my dad just got out of a dumpster somewhere, like a you know, like some sort of a flooring place. Just sort of, what should we uh, put in the? Oh, look, it's free. Uh, it's covered in flies, but it's free nonetheless. Boy, help me get this astroturf. And then we load it in the back of the, the truck or whatever, and we put it on the back patio. So. But you are totally correct. There's two things that happen in every city. One, the sports team, whatever you're talking about. The stadium just isn't good enough. And unless we get a new one, we're leaving. Exactly. Whatever the sport is, whatever time of year it is, whatever season you're talking about, doesn't matter whether it's in winter or whether it's in spring, whatever the current sport is that's occupying the public consciousness, they will claim that the stadium is falling apart, that there are tiles plummeting from the ceiling, which is never true, by the way, unless it's the kingdom. And They act like they're AIG. And yes. that they're going to pick up, and they're going to take this team somewhere else. Your which... city will never be the same without us. Act now. <laughs> and you will be torn asunder as a people. So there's that. That's the first thing that happens. It's a sports threat. Second thing, no matter where you go in the country, doesn't matter. It, I, I mean, probably in the world, you could go to Monaco. It doesn't matter. And somebody says, you know, the drinking water in this town, the tap water sucks. It's terrible. I used to live in a place where the tap water is great. The tap water here... Tap water is the same. It doesn't matter where you're living. There is no difference from one tap water outlet to another. Don't quit selling. Quit saying that your town has the worst tap water ever. It doesn't. Unless Just it doesn't have fluoride, then your teeth grow in sideways. <laughs> but at least then you're free of government parasites, Tim. And communists that suck out your thoughts like some sort of conspiratorial babel fish. That was a weird sentence. That we just was uh, a weird should we talk about the Oshugal bank robber? Can we? He was arrested after a police chase, and then he threw a bomb out of the car at the cops. And his mustache looks like it's fake. It looks like, you know what it, it looks? He it looks like one of those guys, it's like he's playing the strong man in a circus film of some kind. You know that mustache? It looks like it's all waxen and gets all yeah. pointy. Then they stick it on, and he's about to tie Sweet Nell to a track somewhere. That's exactly what he looks like. So uh, 40-year-old Sean Bromley apparently was having a terrible day. Well, to begin with, he lost his fiance. Then he was given a 72-hour eviction notice. And then he went into a bank and had a note that says, I have a bomb. And he wasn't lying. He did have one. So uh, he got the money so he didn't leave the bomb behind. Instead, he threw it at the cops, allegedly. My thing about this story is they don't really give any sort of... Oh, and he's handicapped. But that didn't, that didn't stop him. There's so much about this story that I want to know. I mean, it's just unexplicated in numerous ways. A, 
there's no real timeline for this chain of events. In other words, is it, I mean, I'm just, this is just like sort of a wild uh, hypothesis here. Is it possible that, in fact, his girlfriend left him and they kicked him out of the house because he was, you know, making bombs? Which then leads to the second question, which is, is that where the handicap derived? And did he park in the handicap spot when he went to rob the bank? Well, that would get you closer, and it seems like then, I mean, unless you're like some hobbly guy, it seems like then, you know, you're not going to have to run very far to get into the uh, to get into the car. And whatever happened to the getaway driver? There's a whole rash of stories lately, people driving themselves. It seems like if you've got this sort of... Well, you've got to do more with less. I mean... Everybody. Maybe people are greedier and they don't want to share the money. You know, Sarah, everybody is tightening their belts these days. That does actually. I do you understand. You have to drive that. your own getaway car these days. Uh, it is not right. It is not a world of men, Tim. It's a world of clock watchers and pencil pushers, handicapped guys trying to build their own bombs and then drive away. Pick one or the other. You can't specialize in two things. Well, Washington State continues to give and give with crime stories. Now, workers at a Vancouver recycling bin are shocked to find a man's head and legs sticking out of a massive bin mixed in with uh, cardboard bottles and aluminum cans. They don't know who these uh, limbs belong to yet, but they're looking into it. So they do know that they're limbs. I mean, they didn't yeah. actually give it a good yank and see if they were attached to anything. Right. All right. Well, Ew. Vancouver doesn't seem... It does seem out of place in that city. It does seem out of place. I wouldn't... St. John's? Like yeah, I mean, look, there's probably limbs. There's probably so many limbs littering the streets of St. John's, you don't even really notice them anymore. You know what I mean? It's sort of like a, like shell casings in Oakland. I mean, it just, you know, it's one more bit of it's one more bit of glitter on the sidewalk. Let me tell you about St. John's, though. The city has it down to a science. If you get graffiti spray-painted on your house, they arrive and get it taken care of, like, within two minutes. Really? And they have paint with them, and they paint right over it. Is that because, are they attempting to gentrify that whole place? Is that what it did? It doesn't really seem like, um, how do I put this, aesthetic restoration well, an, would be, like, job number I, I one. I make an attempt to. Well, that's just, that's because you're a proud slumlord, uh, property owner, landlord. Now, just a moment. During my period of unemployment, I spent all my time there repainting. So it's a slum no more, Tim. You're a... Um, I rented it to a very nice couple. Yes. I, I have no doubt about that. It, St. John's does... Is, it like a, is this like, like a Flint, Michigan sort of thing? Are they trying to get a new spark going on in that part of our... They have lofts there now. Lofts? Lofts. Not locks. Locks, I understand. Right. Lofts. All right. They took old abandoned buildings and made expensive places out of them. Oh, is this a lot? Is this so you and the, uh, like, not you, but I mean someone, like a figurative, sort of like a theoretical, hypothetical you, mm-hmm. can live there with your uh, four uh, pasty white friends and then hang out at a coffee shop somewhere and have amusing conversations about yes. the issues of the day? Mm-hmm. All right. Well done. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll do this. We'll get uh, caught up. Carl Click will be around the corner with us. Carl Click from K2. Later on this hour, Nicholas Cage. And still to come, Adam West. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, uh, admissions are now being accepted at the Islamic Saudi Academy in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, some of the folks are concerned about some of the textbooks that include uh, chapters in jihad and killing infidels. They may have to uh, revise some of the text in these books. Oops. They might have to revise some of the text in these books. The school, which is a Saudi government entity, uh, should also be accounted for. And we haven't seen that uh, done yet. Hekman has five wives. He must beat one to death for thinking for herself and attempting to own property. How many wives does Hekman have now? Hekman chopped two fingers off wife number one and three off wife number two. How many fingers did he chop off? There are five homosexuals who must be beheaded in the street for being an abomination unto the Lord. If you must behead one homosexual every 35 minutes, then stop for a light lunch and a prayer, and then continue, yet... Increasing the time by two for each homosexual you must behead. Exactly how long will it take? Take as much time as you need. Use a number two pencil. 
there was a justification to kill adulterers or those uh, who are unbelievers. Uh, in another case, it said that the, the blood of infidels could be spilled. Well, so register now for classes that begin on the 30th. Remember, Tim, Saudi Arabia, they are our partners in peace. That's why they just opened this Islamic Saudi Academy in Virginia, God's country. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Man, what's the matter? I don't know. Maybe it's wife, kids, family life. I mean, are you, are you satisfied, Glenn? Don't you ever feel suffocated? Like, like there's something big pressing down. Yeah. I do know that feeling. And I told Dot to lose some weight, but she don't want to listen. <laughs> no, man, I know what you mean. I mean, you got all these responsibilities now. You're married, you got a kid. I mean, it looks like your whole life is set down. And where's the excitement? Yeah, Glenn, I guess that's it. Okay, that's a disease, but you got a cure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn is here to tell you that you can heal that self. What do I got to do? Well... You just got to broaden your mind a little bit. Like, say if I was to ask you, what do you think about Dot? Well, she's a fine woman you got there. Okay. Now, you might not know it to look at her, but she's a hellcat. Is that right? T-I-G-E-R. Well, what's that got to do with uh, Now, don't rush me. The thing about Dot is, she told me this. She thinks, she thinks you're cute. And I could say the same thing about it. What are you talking about, Glenn? What am I talking about? I'm talking about sex, boy. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about Lamar. I'm talking to me and daughter swingers. As in to swing. I'm talking about wife swapping. I'm talking about what they call nowadays open marriage. I'm talking about... Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. I'm only trying to help! Keep your goddamn hands off my wife! You're crazy! I pity you! Indeed. Nicholas Cage, ladies and gentlemen. Raising Arizona. It's really one of the finest and most sublime comedies ever made. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. It's 503 733 Seven three three two nine seventy. Just ahead this hour, Academy Award-winning actor Nicholas Cage will be joining us. Uh, also, Adam West of Batman and Maxim Zool fame. Uh, also, Family Guy. And uh, we will do Lost in 408 coming up later on, about uh, 8.25 or so. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend from K2, the one and only Carl Click. Hello, sir. Hey, good morning. I- I'm so excited to be on the same billing as Adam West and Nick Cage. Wait a minute, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Oh, I don't know if I am either. It's early in the morning, don't you know? You can, you, you <laughs> you're an early, early morning now. person like exactly. us now. It's sort of a guest Hydrox uh, this morning. And you, sir, are the tasty cream filling. Hey, welcome to the mornings. Thank you. Thank you. How long, hey. when, how long have you been getting up at the... What time do you get out of bed? I get out of bed about 3.10, about 3 in the morning. All right. So, I mean, so we're more or less on the same... Uh, more or less on this game schedule. We've been doing it for how long? Since 1993. Wow. Yeah. Does it ever get any easier? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Really? Is that a lie? No. Sure it does. You just don't get any sleep. You get used to not getting any sleep. Oh, I see. So the sort of exhaustion just becomes a, a bit of an ongoing state to which you adapt. Exactly. What just, is the quick sleeping schedule? Uh, whenever I can. At, it, at any point that I am horizontal. Just <laughs> grabbing every tiny moment of rest and respite that you, yeah, might, that you can. Little five-minute spurts are all you need. 
Boy, this show's changed in the morning. Good morning. Yeah. No, good morning. Has it changed? Are we are we kooky and wacky now? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just waiting for the... Uh, um, what do you do in the morning? You do, uh, I was going to get like a clown horn, and then we were going to play Battle of the Sexes. And do we have to have... Uh, Thank you. No, 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 you're too kind. No, parody so songs? Do we have any of those yet? No, we're going to do a parody song, and then we're going to send... Uh, we're going to send Richie Bristol out in the street with a microphone to talk you to... You uh, everything that you're suggesting we've all, we've had the whole time. Like, you're like, parody song. I'm like, oh, there's the Starbucks song. No, that's uh, really the parody. And the uh, if you like Barack Obama song, so... Really, we've kind of True. secretly been kooky all this time. You've been morning like, in the afternoon, but exactly. I, ha- I have to welcome back Tim Riley. Yes. We are the, we're, we, we and Tim Riley Nation are excited that you're back on the air. Thank you, Carl. But, you know, during that period of time, I got to watch every minute of your news every day. Boy, you were really hard up, weren't you? But I, I enjoy it. I turn it on in the morning, but now I can't because I'm working. I have to say also that, really, I mean, I, I guess this is just sort of a, a very basic observation, but... Really, for it being, uh, I don't know, like 7.30 in the morning and the fact that you've been up since 3, you really do look fantastic. I mean, you've got a, not a hair out of place. You did notice I didn't take the TV makeup off. Can I ask you this? Do you shave with a blade or do you got the electric going on? Uh, I shave with a blade. Really? The night before. Okay. The night, see, so that's how I'm trying to... I'm, I got this whole ongoing thing about my face and the hair and the shaving and the hey-hey and the whatnot. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how to proceed with this because there's nothing I hate more than shaving. I mean, it's just it's just the, the worst. Everybody's got that one kind of thing that they latch on to. So some sort of small task or a thing they got to do or some sort of recurring chore. It just really just it chaps their hide. And for me, it's having to scrape my face with a piece of metal. And I finally just, I cut the cord and I actually got an electric razor uh, on Sunday. We didn't really mention, but I got an electric razor, which, and it says in big letters on the back, like takes three weeks to, you know, to start working on your face. So I got about three weeks where the whirling blades of death are going around and yanking out my hair and pinching my skin, and it's like I've been put into some sort of medieval torture device. But I'm hoping that the other side of it, at least I'm going to avoid that whole thing. Because I was using the Gillette Mach 3 or whatever, which has got, you know, it's got three blades, and it's just, and it's like the first one shaves incredibly close. The second one takes off your skin. The third one cuts your trachea. And and then I got all the little tiny, uh, you know, where you nick yourself. And so then I have to get the styptic pencil. And then when you have the stiff pencil, then you just come to work and it's like you're covered in smallpox. It's kind of like health class from seventh grade. This is kind of gross. <laughs> I'm just saying, well, no, this is, a, Sarah, you know what this is? This is relatable to men between the ages of 25 and 54. Mm. Well, well, being on TV, I, I learned I needed to adjust from, I couldn't shave in the morning because if I did nick myself or cut myself, it was on the air. Yeah. And in fact, oh. there was one time where I was a little late to the uh, news. Please tell me you had tissue stuck to the front of your face. <laughs> no, no, I waited as long as I could, but I, I was a little late and one of my co-anchors gave me a hard time on the air because of uh, a shaving mishap. Hey, Carl, it, uh, it appears that you're bleeding from the face. <laughs> exactly. What's that about? Yeah. Uh, so, Carl, do you use that spray-on makeup stuff? Not yet. That's uh, supposedly for HD. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're supposed to spray that. And we, we don't have HD cameras in the HD studio just yet at K2. We're getting there someday. So, nope. So is this? Uh, so this is the stuff that the, it's like the airbrush the makeup that they stuff. use because right now it sprays all over your face. And it, but it, I mean it just it full on shellacs you, right? I mean you look like a Tussauds uh, sculpture. I mean or something celebrities you get that. wear that stuff I think now. It's paint by numbers. See, and I've wanted that for the longest time. Have you ever like you ever see somebody using Photoshop and they'll be like cleaning up a photo of you, which is you know sort of like an all day process with me. And what they'll do is if they see some part of your face that isn't, uh, how did some? I had somebody tell me this one time. It wasn't here. It was uh, it might have been an intercom. In fact, it seems almost certain that it was, where they were putting a picture of me up on the website, and I walked by, and whoever it is who was doing the website was sort of doing this weird, like, cutting and pasting with big blocks of my skin on the screen. And I said, what are you doing? And she actually said to me, she goes, well, this whole section of your face just, uh, it isn't working. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't really seem to, it doesn't really seem to come together. So uh, I'm going to fix that. And she was taking, like, copying 
a section of my face and putting it on another part of my face. And for the longest time, I wish that I had that in real life. But Sarah was telling me now that if you're at a station that's got HD, they have this thing. They bring it out, and it is literally an airbrush, like the kind that you put, like a picture of your, you know, like like you the kind you put a picture of like some bombshell girl on the side of an airplane or something. They can now use that to you know to make your face look uh, smoother and more youthful. Yeah, exactly, like doing a billboard or something like that. And so. that's the stuff that they use for burn victims, right? Isn't that what you told me? No, that's that's the stuff that I had when I was on coin. It was like burn victim makeup. <laughs> really? So that, I don't know. Yeah, just let you know my... Um, somebody told you that. <laughs> my style consultant uh, did Tanya Harding back in her prime. She was her Tanya Harding stylist, so that shows how, how good this lady was. So you looked good, and you could do a triple axle. Oh, exactly. Excellent. Let me ask you, have you ever had to... This is, I only raise this question because I've seen it depicted in, uh, numerous times, most recently in Sports Night. Have you ever just gotten there really late, and, like you spilled something, you got like something on your pants, and you realize that... Like half of you, like below the desk, does half of you ever just look completely unexpected? Like if we were to look behind the K2 desk occasionally, would we see you either like pantless or like with a big Bermuda like shorts? stain or like, uh, you know, or where you've got, you know, where you've just come to work in like flip flops or something? Uh, not now because we do a lot more standing. You know, we move around the set, we stand up and, and we have a lot more graphics packages. Uh, there have been days that I have done the news in sweatpants. Really? Yeah. And I think if I did have a golf date real soon after the newscast, there there may have been some shorts. So it's like Lake Oswego up top, Clackamas down below. <laughs> you said that. I'm, I'm, no, I mean, that's me, Rick about, Emerson, saying that. FM on top, AM on the bottom. Oh, hey, there's no need to... Uh... <laughs> There's no need to slight our uh, our former station, but, Carl Click. But now you're here in stereo. Well, that's true. Hey, here's the th- the strange thing, and as I realize that this is, only applies to you know to the people in the audience that have you know we're listening to us on 970. We used to be in our sister station AM 970. You know, the folks who you know hearing us for the first time here, I actually have never heard. I've never heard this show on FM because I'm here doing the show clear. So I guess I have to actually tape it at some point. To hear what my mellifluous and dulcet tones sound like when they're uh, transmitted over the FM band and not the AM band, because AM squashes everything down to one sound that just sort of comes out in a you know a mono, you know a monotone delivery like this. Well, your shift has now. I'm going to have to learn how to do the podcast thing so I can hear you guys because it was so used to get you in the afternoon drive, but now I'm going to have to technologically advance to the point where I, you can do it. Can I? It's like plugging something into a computer and pushing a button. Can I do that? Hey, by the way, I just uh, we were talking about the uh, the soccer stadium thing, so I actually got I got a sort of d- definitive answer here. Uh, this one says um, so. I guess the deal with I guess the deal with the soccer stadium is this, and this comes to us from our, uh, our friend Thomas, who sort of seems to know uh, the answer to almost everything. It says, Rick, the reason that the Major League Soccer team has to play at Memorial Coliseum or just not at PGE Park is because they are required by the Major League Soccer Association or whatever. MLS. Uh, yeah, to have stands on both sides of the field, something that does not exist at PGE Park. Plus, any places to put TV cameras. It's, uh, it is likely that any work on a new place for the Major League Soccer team will also make it possible for Portland to get an NFL or Major League Baseball team. Yes, why don't you hold your breath for that right now? Also, to become Major League, the company that runs the league decides that the team should go to a city. It is then up to the ownership uh, team they select in that city to organize it as they see fit. And by the way, he says it is a brand new team, not a continuation of any existing team, even if they use the same name. So really? there you go. So duly noted. See, I'm a little bit smarter than I was. They'll bring in new players. They they won't start with the group that they have now. They have what they call an expansion. Group. Theoretically speaking, I guess. Uh, Sarah, I'm sorry, were you mouthing some of you? Maybe? Oh no, I was gonna say. I mean, if Carl wants to stay during Nicolas Cage, would you like to stay in here, uh, Nicolas Cage, and I share a few moments? Break. Oh, I, I think that's excellent. I my, I? I mean, I'm just uh, my senses, my read on the uh, on the force is that there's going to be uh, 
Tension? I have a little bit of connection. See, why do you have to poison I'm the atmosphere ahead of time? I'm maybe maybe I'm if we tell him that Carl is here. I have interviewed Nick Cage on AM Northwest. He is very low-key. Did oh, you find cool. him to be agreeable? Uh, I found him to be very low-key. All right. We've... We've heard sort of varying uh, varying estimations of his interviewing style. Ladies and gentlemen, Carl Click is here. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Exactly. Can we take a moment to talk about how great that Bad Religion song is? Oh, yeah. 21st Century Digital Boy. And I'm, I was rocking. Were you, Tim? Yes. Were your toes a-tapping? They were. To the hip-swinging sounds of now. I'm not going to pretend to be like punker than I am. That's the first Bad Religion song I ever heard. And uh, everybody else says, no, 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 I had their 12-inch that they put on. I had no 12-inch, I had no 7-inch, I, no I had no demo, I had no 4-track. Well, good I had no bad religion bootleg. song is a good bad religion song. It doesn't matter. Well, because they've got, and bad religion, like a lot of, like the best punk bands, they kind of pull off that neat trick where every song has kind of the same basic elements. I mean, there's obviously a bad religion style. Um, and it, it, a lot of it has to do with that guy's vocals. And he does that weird sort of cascading up and down the notes, which is why it's, which is why it's kind of easy to mimic but hard to perfect, see Pennywise, because it's because it, what he does obviously is just it's a very it's distinct and it just is a unique style that comes out of that guy. And I remember watching the video for that song for 21st Century Digital Boy. And I don't know when the last time we saw that video is, but it's cool and creepy and weird and great and terrifying all at once because mm-hmm. it's got. It's like it zooms in on the television, which is late at night after the channel's gone off the, gone off the air, and it's just the f- screen is filled with snow. And then there's only, and the band sort of emerges from the snow, and the snow turns into like a swimming pool full of static. It's like the weirdest thing ever. It kind of reminds me of the Living Color video for um, Cult of Personality in that way, where there's that kind of that creepy, like, hell girl watching the television. It's all very. Uh, you know that they're playing ba- uh, Warp Tour this year? Bad Religion? Mm hmm. And so there's no effects. Excellent. Sarah Dillon's dream concert. I know. Hey, just as one final note here. Uh, we're joined today by K2's Carl Click, who is sitting to my immediate right. Hello, sir. Good morning. Great to be here with you guys always. Tim Riley's at the news desk. We'll uh, find out what is going on in the world in just one moment. Then Academy Award winning actor Nicholas Cage will be joining us to talk about his new film, Knowing, which opens this Friday. I'm getting nervous. What if he stands us up? Uh, if he stands us up, then we can make fun of him and nobody will care. In fact, we could make fun of him anyway. I mean, even if he doesn't stand us up, we could make I've fun of him. I've always wanted to hear him like speaking, though. Like in an interview style. I've never heard an interview with him. I've seen him. I saw him interviewed for, um, what the hell was it? I think a friend of mine actually uh, did like the junket for The Rock uh, when he was when he was doing The Rock with um, with Sean Connery. I love that movie. And I think, I, if I remember correctly, I think I, was, I think I knew a guy at the time who was like writing a review for a newspaper or something. And, and I think he was actually allowed to sort of videotape his, you know, even his newspaper guy was allowed to videotape his interview with, um, with Nick Cage, who actually was really good. I mean, it was a really, you know, you hear that he's a little, he can be a little taciturn. Sometimes you know you can be very kind of reticent to kind of you know to give you good answers, but I didn't get that sense at all. So you know we'll see. In any event, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. The city of Washougal is becoming a hotbed for criminality. First, father and son fugitives nearly beat a skier to death near Washougal. Steal the SUV they're featured on America's Most Wanted. A Washougal bank robber throws a bomb at the cops just before he rolls his car, just after his girlfriend dumped him and he got evicted. In other news, Carly, are you guys covering this Gambian witch doctor story? Uh, we will now. Well, we should send Anna Song out on this one. Because up to 1,000 Gambian villagers have been abducted by witch doctors, sent to seasoned detention camps, and forced to drink potions that gave them diarrhea. They are forced to drink unknown substances, which have caused them to hallucinate and behave erratically. It, by the way, I should know, is it actually, um, is it diarrhea or dire ear? Dire ear. All right. Dire ear sounds like some sort of a bell tone. I know, there are too many R's in it. You know how we New Englanders right. are. Uh, many of them are forced to confess to being witches. In some cases, uh, they've been allegedly beaten, almost beaten to death. 
We'll have follow-up on this story uh, here in just a moment. We're joined by Tim Riley as well as Carl Click from K2. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program, award-winning actor and icon of the film world, the one and only Nicolas Cage. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me on your show. Not at all, sir. The pleasure is all on this side of the table, as they say in office space. Uh, the movie Knowing opens uh, this Friday, March 20th. I just, I, uh, before we do anything else, I want to ask you something. Cause this stuff kind of floats around on the, on the net, and you never know. Somebody told me that Knowing actually has... I think it's either a 90-second or a two-minute tracking shot, uh, just a continuous unbroken take with very little sort of CGI, very little special effects. Is that? Do you know if that's if that's the case? Because that would be uh, pretty gripping. It is. Uh, there's a plane crash sequence, and then there's a two-minute uh, single tracking shot where we, uh, Alex and myself and the actors, rehearsed it all day, and then we got it. Uh, Towards the end of the day, it's one shot, and they had to light stun people on fire, and it was, it's pretty scary. Uh, so when you see the movie, you'll know that I'm not acting. It's <clears throat> I was genuinely concerned about these people and took it uh, personally if, if something went wrong. So because if it did, we'd have to go back to the beginning and light them on fire again. <laughs> and one really, take. nobody wants to be lit on fire more than once. I think no, I speak for no. everybody. I, if you're doing a lot a, of uh, pressure. That day. If you're doing a two-minute tracking shot, and especially if there are sort of practical effects happening, what is the, what's the setup time for that? In other words, somebody sneezes halfway through, you got to do it again. What is the what is the stop to start time again for something like that? Uh, well, it actually goes about the same speed of of what the actual um, action is. So, in other words. If it's a two-minute tracking shot, I mean, that is what it was to get it done. We, it took two minutes to get from A to B, and what you see happening is, is happening at the speed that we, that we shot it. So it's pretty much the same, the same uh, amount of time. So when, you're, when you read a script and you are looking at it, you're, you're kind of going through and getting a handle on the story and the characters, and you see that some of it is either going to be post-production, there's going to be special effects of whatever variety, which isn't you know, not really graspable maybe on the page the same way the character is. How much more of a gamble does that make it if you don't necessarily know what those effects are going to be? I knew I was in good hands with Alex Proyas. Uh, he, he is excellent with visual effects and knows how to make a beautiful movie. I think he did that here. So I, I, it could have been a, a pretty big gamble in the wrong hands. But because it was Alex, I, I felt confident that he would make it come to life in the, in, in the way that only he can. I'm talking to Nicolas Cage. The new movie is Knowing. It opens this Friday. Alex Proyas did uh, The Crow in 1994, which has a great visual flair to it. It's a very distinct style, and you know, a character who has a certain noirish sort of darkness to him. And You, a lot of times, will play characters that seem to be overwhelmed uh, by, by events. Do you, do you feel like you yourself, you have a special affinity for playing characters that are maybe dropped into a very confusing or confounding situation? I think I think it's more or less just what it, what grips me in terms of like do, do do I feel fascinated by it when I read it? Is there something interesting about it? Does it does it compel me in some way? And I I guess maybe your question is is accurate in that I I, I probably do find um, extraordinary circumstances 
exciting to watch and trying to follow characters through these extraordinary circumstances. And there's a lot of apocalyptic themes in this movie as well. There's very traumatic events uh, because it deals with a time capsule that is revealed to have uh, it's foretold future events correctly. And then there's sort of the, you know the race against the clock to keep uh, you know to keep these awful things from coming to pass. Do you sense in some way that movies like this that have that again that kind of almost biblical feel to them is there a, a special resonance with the public right now given sort of the circumstances that uh, that the country and the world are going through? I think there's a lot of things going on right now that are on everybody's minds. Uh, global warming, uh, stress between countries, um, the economy. And so part of the job of, of any uh, artist, I think, uh, just naturally, not even having to think about it, is to reflect the times on some level and to, to try to... Uh, Make sense out of, or give definition to, or or even overcome what what is happening now. And not that that those were the criteria that went into deciding to do the movie, or because a lot of these things that are occurring happened, um, you know, after the the decision to make the movie, at least the economy. But um, it, it was just something that seems to be in the air in the zeitgeist so it all just came together in a way that i think is relevant we're talking to nicholas cage and the movie is knowing it opens this friday and i really have to say and i i mean this sound like i'm you know blowing sunshine or whatever but two of the most compelling films of the last uh five ten years are lord of war and and adaptation and really just just great character depictions um, in both of those, and I wonder when you look, you know, back at the moment of spark, the moment of inspiration for you as an actor. When you said, "This is what I want to do," was there a kind of uh, was there a crystal moment when you watched a movie, you watched another actor, and you said, "That is for me. This is what I want to do." It would be I'm 15. I'm at the New Beverly Cinema. Beverly Boulevard in Los Angeles, going to a double feature of Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden with James Dean. And it's the scene where James Dean comes into the room with Raymond Massey playing his father, and he tries to give him the money for his birthday and has a nervous breakdown. And I thought, wow, you know, that that is the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Uh, it went, it transcended like painting and music and anything. And I said, yeah, that's that's what I would love to be able to do one day. Uh, we're talking with Nicolas Cage, and just as we sort of wrap this up, I'm curious if that if that's your benchmark early on. That's the moment, the flashpoint for you as an artist. Does that in some way, uh, James Dean in this case, does it remain out there sort of like this unreachable carrot that you are always grasping for? Does it does it stay out there as as the perfection to which you aim? No, because because now it's been 30 years and. If you even think about that, if it were, if James Dean were still with us, he would have had to have gone through the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, all the way into the 80s. And, and you think of all the different transformations that he would have had to have gone through. And then I look at my own career going from the 80s, 90s, into the 2000s, now into the 2010s. Um, <clears throat> it's just too many changes have gone on now in 30 years. So in a way... He was appealing to my 
adolescent instincts, and now my interests are going more into movies like Knowing and to the science fiction and to into the abstract. Nicholas Cage, the new movie is Knowing. It opens this Friday. Uh, I want to thank you, sir, and from, uh, from somebody who loves films to somebody who makes films, uh, I thank you for all that you do, and best of continued success in, uh, in life, in art, and all things, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you. There you go. Nicholas Cage, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the movie is Knowing. It opens this Friday. So there you go. That was all so right. cool. That guy was see. Well, you belong on C-SPAN. All of you did a good job. I belong on C-SPAN. Thanks so much. I I think that is a compliment. I watch lots of it. You belong on Book Talk. I'm sorry. You can totally pretend to be a grown-up when you need to. That was really good. Look, that was good. Look, it's not all boobs and butts with me. Dude, that was Nicolas Cage. He has a really deep voice. He has rattling the phone. I'm gonna go home and watch Valley Girl. It was very. It was like whatever happens, save the radio. Um, (laughs) and I, I could tell that I don't know where he was calling from. You could tell there was a little bit of a lag there. There was that. There was that delay in the phone. So I suspect he must be shooting somewhere, or he's you know he's just or he's Mm. he's got his feet on the sands of Maui or something right now. The I, but he was very serious. It was like interviewing Mitt Romney or something. <laughs> exactly. I and I sort of I, the one thing, and I, this is actually now. Let me just begin the critique of myself almost immediately. The one thing I regret is I think I think I sort of framed that question about the tracking shot kind of badly because I think my question is: you see that two-minute tracking shot, and he was talking about if they if they make some sort of a mistake or whatever. My whole thing is like, how long does it take to reset that whole thing? Which I can't even imagine. Just like lighting a guy on fire. We have yet another guest. We must break. Oh, we have Adam West. Yes, West Adam West. Like oh, oh, that was just oh. to get you warmed up. Nothing to wear. The opening for Adam West will be Nicholas Cage. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KUFO. Damn it, Swanson, I want them found. Mayor West, we have every available man looking for the Griffins. We just don't have any leads. Not the Griffins, you moron. The rest of my light bright pieces. My name isn't Adam Wee. Or is it? Who am I? What number did you dial? Don't ever call here again. I guess I told him, nobody messes with Adam Wee. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming along, we are mere moments away from the one and only Adam West. Joining us here on the show, we're here with K2's Carl Click as well. Hello, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Welcome to the mornings. So glad to have you in the fraternity of morning news and entertainment. Well, you know, I like to think that we've always been colleagues inside, Carl. We've been colleagues here. At whatever time, we're all there together. That's what I'm saying. Haven't you been a morning man since, like, the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At Channel 8, early, early on. And I have to say, by the way, that the transition, because uh, we, we, you know, for a long time, we did, uh, for the decade, you know, we're doing a show in the middle of the day. Transition mornings is actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think it's because it had been, the last time I did mornings, also, it was at a job that I just, just didn't like at all. And it's like, you get out of bed, and so it's, it, you know what it was? It was like having to run a marathon and then do, like, the uh, Diderod and then having to like do you know like do like a hand over hand like a uh, rope across a ravine just to have a guy like kick you right in the junk uh, and that's what it was to get up at oh, I got to get up at 3 in the morning at least my job sucks though and so that really just made it a living breathing hell on earth which is uh, which is not the case now so i mean it's uh, i think i built it up in my head to be just this awful thing uh, which it is uh, which it is certainly not so. and if if you're used to working that later shift then you move to the morning shift you realize there are a lot more hours in the day to get things done if you actually yes. get out of bed oh yeah no 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 and it makes me feel like a slacker too we get you know off the air at 9 maybe get out of here by about noon and i go home and i like yesterday go home sit on the couch at home and i'm there like i don't know 12:30 or something and my wife who we're on this weird lady hawk schedule right now because she's coming to bed at like 2 a.m. because you know, she's going to work at 2 in the afternoon. And meanwhile, I'm, you know, getting up at 3 or whatever. 
So like noon, she watches, I don't know, she's in the basement or doing something or other. She comes upstairs, and it's 12, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm firing up the Xbox 360 to play Left for Dead. And she goes, uh, so what are you doing today? And then she looked at the screen, and she said, oh, I see. It's a, it's another day of zombie killing, is it? And I was like, baby, I I got up nine hours ago. But it's like, it doesn't make any difference. It, 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 there's that sort of perception. It doesn't really matter if you got out of bed at 3 a.m. or not. The idea that I'm sitting on the sofa at noon as like a 36-year-old man getting ready to shoot zombies in the head, just... Uh, there's just no way to look uh, anything uh, but juvenile. It has to be a late-night activity no matter what. That's what I'm talking about. And our highway system around here works perfectly with no other cars. Boy. You can get anywhere in five minutes. You know, especially if, uh, as Tim has revealed, you, you just uh, sort of drive home occasionally without even really knowing uh, where you're going or being awake at all. So Richie Bristol is obtaining Adam West, who I believe will be gracing the phones. And I'm, I'm sort of tempted to have Sarah play the news sounder. And the thing is, I know. Let's just do a test. Let's pretend that we're going to the news and see if it gets Adam West on the phone immediately. Oh, totally Because if we try to actually go to the news desk, you know, that we'll be like five seconds into a story and then we'll get cut off. All right. <clears throat> we're just going to test the universe. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, it's, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, his nephew Kanye has been charged with three criminal misdemeanors. TMZ reports the musician faces vandalism, battery, and grand theft charges stemming from a run-in with a cameraman in L.A. Kanye West manager Don has also been charged with two counts of vandalism, battery, and grand theft. Back in September, West, this West, not Adam West, allegedly broke into a camera light on equipment belonging to TMZ while they were shooting. Of course, TMZ never bothers his celebrities. Uh, West faces up to two and a half years behind bars. Crowley faces five, both men scheduled to be arraigned on the 14th. Looks like the city of Portland is finally getting a pro soccer franchise. The big announcement will be made tomorrow at some point. A drinking mob celebrates St. Patrick's Day by ruining all of Ireland. Cars were torched, firefighters attacked, police bombarded, neighbors terrified. It was a fine St. Patrick's Day throughout Ireland due to these a drunken 19-year-old and 20-somethings. It happens every year. That's the top of the news. And I'm now, just looking at the phone waiting. Program. Well, Adam West isn't, isn't on the phone yet, so. He is everyone waving at me frantically? Well, he, he might be, but. Because well, we only have until 8.16, and then he has another one. Mr. West is very busy. Mr. West is not to be trifled with. He should not be spoken to. All right, there you go. Don't look him in the eyes. All right, call yourself, give yourself a number. Like five. Four. All right, there you go. <laughs> Three. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a real uh, privilege and honor to welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program a true American icon in the world of entertainment, the one and only Adam West. Hello to you, sir, and how are you on uh, this Thursday morning? Hello. Adam West. Are we there? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi. How are you, sir? Hey, Rick. Will you speak up, please? Yes. Hold on. Let me uh, let me see if I can just put my louder. All right. There. Hello. Hi. Adam West. Hey, hey, Rick. Hello, Adam West. How are you this morning? Well, I'm well. It's great to be back in Portland. Indeed, sir. I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you this question right out of the gate. Is it true that you went to Walla Walla High School? Uh, yes, I did. For a brief period. And then that was followed up by a stint at... Well, you went to Whitman, right? You, uh, you attended Whitman College, which is right here in the Northwest. Yeah. I graduated from Whitman. You should actually know this. So I got an email from a listener this morning. A listener, uh, I think his name is Dave. He says, um, my daughter went to Whitman because the deciding factor is that it was good enough for Adam West. And we said, good enough for Adam West, good enough for our daughter's education. So there you go. Helping to shape young minds, Adam West. You mean I finally achieved a little notoriety at Whitman? Well, it seems like, uh, really, they're probably just days away from giving you one of those honorary things where they hang a, a deal around your neck and then they uh, give you a scroll and then you give a commencement speech. 
Let me ask you this, Adam West, as a follow-up question to that. I've always wondered what the bat suit was made out of. Is that like a is it like a polyester thing? Is it like a cotton uh, something or other? It looks like it was sort of um, sort of smothery. What was it made out of? Oh, you mean the uh, costume in Batman? Yeah, I, is it like a polyester or is it a cotton or is it? It almost looks plastic at sometimes, but that can't that can't be the case. Well, they never told me, but I think it was a material that was developed sometime in the 17th century. <laughs> Did it? Uh, it was un- was it uncomfortable to wear? Did it cause you any uh, yeah, chafing? It was a little itchy. It, it was a uh, it was constricting. Yes. Hey Rick. Yes, sir. You're very hard to hear. So let me just, oh, Sarah. Hey, can you um? Am I? You're are you're up, the up over there. Up. I don't I don't right. believe that our phone is as loud as it should be. Maybe if I uh, maybe if I do this, Adam West, is this easier to hear? Say again. I'm guessing that was a no. Let me just do this. I'm going to, uh, Richie Bristol, uh, will you do me a favor? I'm going to, uh, place Mr. West on hold. Will you pick up the phone and, and see if we can, if there's a connection issue there? All right. Thanks so much. Richie, I'm going to put that on hold right there. All right. If you can just pick that up in the bottom row. Wow. It has a, to be a connection issue because the a whole confluence of bad things happening there. It was like Nicolas Cage, except I think Nicolas Cage was in Spain. So uh, the delay is perhaps a little more understandable. All right. Is it back? Or, okay. You're back on hold? I guess he's back on hold. Let's try this again and see how it goes. Hello, Adam West. Does this sound any better? Richie, why don't you thank Adam West for a fantastic interview. Tell him I've been a fan for a long time and that we look forward to having him back again at some point in the future. You tell him to stay in the groove. Adam West, Adam West, a little bit softer now, Adam West, Adam West, Adam West, Adam West, I'll come out when they're all gone. Hello, Adam West, how are you this morning? Well, I'm well, it's great to be back in Portland. Well, who can put it better than that? It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Thursday morning, and good day to you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, can you drop my mic every... You can take it down from oh, West yeah, no, levels to... Take it down from West to Cage there on the board. All right. Hello, Chris Paddock. How are you today? Wow. You know, what weird alternate universe did we step into where Adam West was the high-maintenance guy? Sure, we were all freaked out about Nicolas Cage because we heard that... Treat him with kid gloves. Well, I, that was the He's thing. He's like is, a piranha. I uh, think we had heard, um, maybe with some justification, that... We heard that Nicolas Cage, that if you asked... Could, could be a bit grumpy, maybe. Sometimes. Well, or that if you came out of the gate with, like, some douche question, that he would, you know, that he would just kind of clamp up. Right. That he would just kind of turn on you. Um, and I always try very hard not to ask... And you figure that all those guys are just, it's in a junket, and they're there in a room with a Bluetooth thing, and they got like, like 900 uh, sure. you know, jackass DJs in a row. And so my whole thing is I'm going to be the, the interview that hopefully doesn't suck. And so we're all like stressing out about Nicolas Cage thing, and I'm like, you know, just get bullets of sweat, and just, oh, I just don't even know how I'm going to handle it. And then I went, well, we bring on Adam West, and it just becomes this tumbling implosion of Skylab-esque fail. Oh, unbelievable. Wow. Uh, maybe it was, uh, maybe that interview was being held at the Gotham Convalescent Home. See, I was going to... Holy Adam Beltone! 
And God Almighty. Holy Western Union. And I was, we were talking about this during the break. Uh, Chris Paddock, program director for Rock 101 KUFO. That you were saying, well, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a somewhat older man. Yeah. He's of years. 81. And I said... You know, like, like it's it, look. It's not like he was standing next to a howitzer this morning, and like the blast just <laughs> deafened him a few hours ago. Like he's clear. Look, if he's deaf now, he was deaf yesterday. Probably deaf last year. I was reading up on a lot of things, and a lot of those years next to Lee Merriweather as Catwoman, cracking that whip, <laughs> caused tinnitus for Adam West. Wait, are you making that up? Yes, I am. Okay, because that was almost plausible for a second. I, I, I was going to look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, hey, well, I bet you it's up there. Okay, so it started off according to the Rick Emerson show. They became totally plausible, and. So, like you would think at some point, like he must do interviews all the time. So you figure at some point somebody would go, Adam, you, Adam, can you, Adam West, can yeah. you? Oh no, we got to get him a hearing aid. But then Tim noted that there's certain things that you know, there's uh, the celebrities you just can't break the news to. And I think you, Tim, gave the Wayne Newton example. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is that no one really can pull him aside and go, Mr. Newton, you, you can't sing anymore, and you're off-putting, and no one likes your sweat-soaked scarves. Well, maybe perchance there'll be a world of wheels at the Rose Quarter, and maybe, <laughs> maybe Adam West will roll up in the Batmobile one last time. Oh, good God, God I can only hope. Right, still ahead this morning, more news with Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, and I still haven't done my Witch Doctor joke, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll that out. That's going to be the big guarantee. <laughs> Coming up later on in the hour, Rick Emerson will tell his Witch Doctor joke. Right now, it is time for a recap of last night's episode of Lost. Ladies and gentlemen, please give your undivided attention to Chris Paddock and Sarah X. Dillon. It is time for Lost in 408. Oh my god, it's oh like my god. Wit- witnessing history last night in the episode Namaste. Or the remaking of history. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, well, here's the bottom line. Uh, you've got Sawyer reunited with his fellow castaways, Jack, Kate, and uh, Hurley. Mm-hmm. And it's the same day that a sub is pulling up with new recruits in the Dharma initiative. And it's back in, so and it starts at the beginning of the show with them in 2007, because this is all taking place. The whole series of losses is taking place over the course of a few months. Well, and so it's 2007, which means it's 1977. Correct. When they land. But the flash only takes a certain amount of them. So it only takes, yeah, Hurley and Kate and Jack, but it leaves behind Sun and Saeed. Right. Which, if you remember, Hurley, Jack, and uh, Kate were captured when uh, Michael turned them in. Remember when Michael double-crossed them back yes. in season two? Yes, and then so they ended up killing everybody. Ben obviously knows that there's some sort of point in having them. And, I, look, I mean, we get to see the birth of Ethan Rom, mm-hmm. the other... Other? That kind of confused me, too, because doesn't he look older than 27 or like 30? Because mm. he seemed like he would be a bit older than that. Well, you know, a lot of years on the on the Dharma Island, probably, mm. you know, much like Adam West in the Batcave. Yes. So how do, where do you think, what time do you think uh, that uh, Sun and Frank ended up in? Well, they're obviously in present day. No, they're not in present oh, day, no, though, because no. it's still in, it's completely. They, they didn't land. They were in 2007 they're, or, or whatever, whatever the 2004, whatever that current. Uh, status of Dharma Island is because... No, because the others had already fixed up the places and it was um, now inhabited again. No, 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 when no. They, no. When they got to the island, it remember... It was a wreck, remember? It looks like that was after the purge. No, when the, when the plane was crashing, remember? Yeah. And, well, and they Ben had the, and Juliet, they, and they had all the houses They had the runway that obviously Sawyer and Kate were building when they were in the panda cages. Because they knew that the plane was coming. Exactly. 30 years later. Now, and then there was that weird shining moment where obviously Jack's dad shows up to greet Sun and um, the pilot and dude Frank. and yeah. Frank, and they look at the 1977 class of new recruits, and, and all of the lost people are in this in the picture. 
It's like Jack Nicholson at the end of the it's Shining. Totally, that's exactly what I thought. And did you notice in the background, and you have to go, and fans, go on the web and check this out, because I did afterwards. In the background, there's somebody standing Claire there. Claire is back there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Claire holding a baby. It looked like it, and that was really creepy. Yeah, there's so, it was a very creepy episode. Okay, not let's the cast at the end. Okay. Okay, Ben. Ben. Young Ben. Young Ben you visiting Saeed, and, and they captured Saeed because Saeed ended up on the island. And that's pretty close to when Ben goes and kills everybody, too. So I don't know. Do you think that the lost people will be able to convince Ben to not, uh, you know, kill the entire Dharma Well, now initiative? I'm wondering if Saeed is the mole who can go into the camp of the others and warn them and say, dude, do not let Ben do anything because this guy is crazy. That is so true. And, you know, basically, I think what Saeed finds out, and they, they kind of mention this in the promos mm. for next week. Yeah. He now realizes that his duty, and I did say and did duty, is to, is to probably kill uh, uh, Ben. And he does ben. shoot somebody. He does shoot the, somebody. And did you see the smoke monster, too? Yes, and I'm starting to wonder, if smoke monster, weird whispery voices, and Jack's dad all have some sort of weird conflict? They all seem to be the same thing. Well, I think that Christian is some sort of guardian, because we were talking about the Egyptian tie-in uh, you know, last yep. week. So I think that Christian must be some kind of guardian, and the snake, snake monster must uh, be smoke monster. him in some way, the smoke monster. Yes, or a snake monster. Or the snaky, smoky monster. There's that, too. Yes. But, boy, I, this show is just killing me, and, if, and people say, oh, well, they, they may we're making it up as they went along. I got news for you people. They obviously have a plan and it's happening. And even right if they now. don't, we are their puppets and we're going to keep watching it. Yes. I love being a shill to commerce. I do too. Why am I so exhausted after that? You know, it's because that music causes tension. <laughs> I love that music. Yeah. No, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy with how that bed works because as time goes on, as this sort of you know, the lost in the in 408 thing plays, you just start to feel your pulse kind of quickening, and you find you're breaking out in a cold sweat, and you're not quite sure why. And of course, then you guys are shouting out things that just, you know what? <laughs> well, it is? that one made a little more sense because that one wasn't very supernatural last night, so it was a little bit. It was a good character builder episode, but it was a little slower. It sure. was. That I got a little slower. Two observations. First of all, I got three observations. One, I find this. I was skeptical, if you recall, this this lost recap, this lost in 408. I was I was reluctant at the beginning because I wasn't quite sure it was going to be compelling. I have zero idea what you're talking about. I know jack and squat about what you're discussing, but you know I still find it fascinating because it's like you're going through a, like an advanced Dungeons and Dragons manual and just shouting things out. <laughs> It says here on the, um, I'm reading the Temple of Elemental Evil, and it says this is a smoke monster. Uh, it is uh, a reincarnation of the Egyptian sun god Ra. So that is great. Also, I love the idea that, um, Paddock, I'm sure you have to point out to Lost fans that they ought to, quote, go on the Internet. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you really should. Because it, 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 this Internet thing, there is so the much internet? information out there. I'm not kidding you. I spent hours on it. I have to understand that it's some sort of... Virtual library that crosses borders. Chris. It's amazing. I bet you Adam West doesn't know about it. I don't think Adam West knows what he had for breakfast by the time Adam lunch West comes knows around. Where he is? Oh, Adam. I'm so disappointed. But Rick, not in your gridlock. Oh, let me tell you this though. To the other thing about next week's Lost, there's going to be some sexual tension, and it's already building up. We got I think there's the going to be some Sawyer. Oh yeah, Sawyer, Juliet, Kate. I don't think Kate and Sawyer will be able to keep away from each other. They're like magnets. Yeah. Can't help themselves. Sorry. Chris Paddock, ladies and gentlemen, program director for Rock 101 KUFO. Just ahead, more news with Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. That's right. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503-733-2970 at the news desk. Make way for your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Workers at a Vancouver recycling bin shocked to find a man's head and legs 
sticking out of a massive container, mixed in with cardboard, paper bottles, and aluminum cans. So far, nobody's come forward to claim these parts. A bomb has been found in a bank robber's suspect's car after a crash. This guy, who had a bad day, well, to begin with, he was handicapped. And then his girlfriend broke up with him, and then he was evicted. Decides to go rob a bank. He had a note that said, I have bomb. And he was right. He had bomb. He tried to throw it at the cops. As they're chasing him down on Washougal River Road, he rolls the car. They really say, I have bomb? I have bomb. Me talk pretty one day. Also rob bank. Bomb. Yep. Uh, then uh, Portland City Hall announcing a major soccer league franchise coming to Portland tomorrow. It'll be a big surprise. So I guess the, 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 what we've heard on this is that even if it is, quote, the Timbers, it's not going to be the same Timbers team that it is now. I guess the deal is that when the, when the major league, when a regular, uh, you know, whatever it is now, whatever class or league they are now, like farm team or something, when they become major league, I guess it's a wholly separate team, even if the name remains the same or something, which is, I guess, and then that's why they got and they got to get a different stadium because there's some rule with Major League Soccer that they got to have stands on both sides of and the I field. And I think that the field might have to be a bit bigger as well. Yeah. And it's never big enough. Size. No, no, Sarah. It, ought to, it should cover the entire southwest quadrant, really. All the way to the Couve. Here's Tim Riley. A Connecticut kindergarten teacher accused of forcing a student to eat food out of a garbage can when the five-year-old Bridgeport student tosses chicken nuggets and banana... In the cafeteria trash, the teacher allegedly pulled the food out and forced him to eat it all. He had told his mother, and uh, the uh, mother uh, came downtown to the Bridgeport Police Department and uh, approached us about the incident. We, in fact, did confirm the matter, and um, subsequently the, uh, the teacher was issued a, a summons for uh, the incident. Here's a question. Is this a thing that ever actually happened, or is it a thing that's only depicted in popular media, where your parent tells you to clean your plate because there's children starving in, you know, insert uh, impoverished country here? Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever actually told that. I think it was just a whole lot of clean your plate or you're going to get a belting. I mean, there's really no... My father expressed very little concern, actually, about starving peoples elsewhere. It was a whole lot of, like, you know, I will take this two-by-four and I will beat you in the back of the head Brian Wilson style if you don't eat those beets. So, well, all right. So let's talk about these uh, Gambians taken in by witch doctors up to 1,000 Gambian villagers. Witch doctors, Tim? Witch doctors. They've been taken to a secret detention center and forced to drink potions. That was your joke. That wasn't the joke. Oh. I just, uh, Sarah, that that comedy came to me on the fly. That was a little ad hoc give and take. It was an alley oop that Tim and I were doing. That. So these villagers were held up to five days, forced to drink unknown substances, which caused them to hallucinate, behave erratically, and have diarrhea. Uh, many of them were forced to confess to being witches. Once they did, they were beaten almost to death. See, and so the joke I was going to do in the seven o'clock hour, and then I, and then I was, I think I was thinking about it earlier on in this hour. It doesn't. It doesn't really work. I think without some sort of a, some sort of an aural aid to this. Mm-hmm. But they were beaten savagely by the witch doctor, and so then I was going to throw it to you, Tim, as though we were going to have a soundbite or an actuality, and you'd say, one woman who was beaten by the witch doctor had this to say, and then we would have the ooh e ooh ow ow. That's what I was thinking you were going to do, David Seville. There yeah. you go. Isn't that funny, Sarah? Yes, it is, Sarah. Anyone? I sound stringy like Tim Riley. All right. You hear me in the back? Ooh. Ooh, ee. Ooh, ow, ow. Bing, bang. You're a witch. Bam, dead. Well, I want a bing, bang. That's where comedy <laughs> lies, kids, right there. The confluence of all that we just said. Here's Tim Riley. Religious Nutcase Watch time. Here's your Religious Nutcase Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program.
your religious nutcase watch for Thursday. It's Tim Riley. Part one. Former evangelical pastor Ted Haggard and his wife were planning another TV appearance to talk about their marriage again. Uh, they'll be on divorce court, broadcast nationally April 1st. The presiding judge, Lynn Toller, is interviewing the couple about how their marriage survived after that male prostitute incident in Denver. This is an alleged uh, cash-for-sex relationship with Haggard in November 2006. Alleged. alleged. Uh, wait, they're on divorce court, but they're not actually getting divorced, are they? Uh, no, they say their marriage and Christian faith are stronger than ever. They want people to know that divorce is not the answer. This is part of Ted's journey, said his wife. <laughs> it's yes. made him a better man. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure it has, Tim. Did you see him on uh, Larry King? Yes. I, it, I have to say, actually, I mean, in, with, in all honesty, I have to say with all the sincerity, he seems like a guy who... He seems like a guy who is, I, I think, had some sense knocked into his head. Uh, also, probably being off crystal meth and not being obsessed with finding male hookers is probably going to help with your free time. So maybe you have, uh, you know, maybe you have a little bit more time to sort of examine one's own psyche. But it does seem like he's on the uh, he's on the perimeter of coming around. So it remains to be seen. So that's part one. Pope Benedict the Sixteenth met with African bishops in Cameroon on the second day of a week-long visit to Africa. The pontiff has anchored some AIDS activists by saying the use of condoms is aggravating the spread of the disease. That's what he said. Pope Benedict told Catholic bishops to defend the rights of the poor and protect the essential values of the African family in the meeting to prepare for an African synod at the Vatican in October. The Pope told bishops that their mission leaves them to encourage charity and that they should be eager to promote a better understanding of what he called the nature, dignity, and role of marriage. And whatever you do, don't use condoms ever under any circumstances. They're very unsafe. They're bad. They're terrible for you. Also, the Pope used to be a Nazi. Just saying. Yeah. There's your religious nutcase watch for Thursday. The Rick Emerson Show continues next on Rock 101 KUFO. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Be sure to join us tomorrow, and our guests will include Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com. We'll also talk to... The writing on the board is very small. I'm squinting. All I can see, it's the Gacy guy. Yeah, Gacy guy, Aaron. The uh, This is the guy who was the childhood friend of John Wayne Gacy. That was actually supposed to be today. We, mo- we moved it so we can make way for Adam West. I wanted to have lots of room so we could really stretch out with Adam West and get to the bottom of who he is as a as a person. As a person! Person! Never mind. So that is coming up tomorrow. We'll talk to uh, John Wayne Gacy's childhood friend who says that Gacy was, quote, lots of laughs. Uh, and uh, Joan Embry from the San Diego Zoo. It is 503-733-2970. Make a note because tomorrow we are going to be giving away our final pair of Tesla tickets for the week as well. Uh, they're coming to the Roseland on April 5th. Uh, you can also get your tickets uh, anytime right now at Tickets West. Outlets everywhere. Let's pay a final visit, ladies and gentlemen, to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Here are the top stories today. The city of Washougal is quickly becoming a haven for criminals. Father and son fugitives who nearly beat a skier to death near Washougal and stole his SUV are featured this week in America's Most Wanted. And also, there was a, another father and son crime team who are going to court for bombing a bank. AIG CEO claims his white-collar criminal pals are starting to return those bonuses. Rihanna has another run-in with the cops without Chris Brown in the car. 
A Connecticut kindergarten teacher is accused of forcing a child to eat from a garbage can. And a woman gives birth on the plane and throws the baby in the trash. This is really just a wholly disconcerting world we so live in. Do we in know like what happened to the baby? Is it okay? I guess so. The trash baby? I mean, the trash baby will be fine. I think, no, if this is the story that I read this morning, I think it all worked out relatively well. Uh, especially if the mother's in a small room somewhere being worked over by Andy Sipowitz. I'd like to think that. Oh, and uh, Drunken Mob celebrates St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. That's hard to believe, Tim. Mm-hmm. I was to understand that they were, uh, they were a somewhat... Temperate people. Uh, t- See, I was thinking about saying temperate, and then I was going to go with teetotaling. And so I'm glad that between you and I, we have all the linguistic bases covered. Mm-hmm. Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, I want to make a, a couple of brief notes here at the end. We have some people asking about the Tommy Lee interview, which was... The hell is today? Today's Thursday. That was what Tuesday, Tuesday. Monday. Yeah. George. I don't know. I don't know. It was earlier this. Well, the point is, I guess, I guess that really I- illustrates and underscores my point here. People are saying, "Hey, I heard the Tommy Lee interview. Was it fantastic? Or the Crystal Cash? And I was playing parts of it on the Rock Report. Uh, where can I hear that? The answer, ladies and gentlemen, my chums, me amigos, is at kufo.com. You go to kufo.com, and of course, that is one-stop shopping for all your Rick Emerson KUFO needs. You can get the show live there, streaming. You can get it uh, archived. You can listen to it right there on the site, or you can, of course, download it and take it with you wherever you might wish to go. So the Tommy Lee uh, interview is there, and I would imagine within probably 20 minutes or so, you'll be able to hear this. You'll be able to play that Adam West thing back for you and your loved ones, perhaps while imbibing an adult beverage of some kind, over and over and over again. And while Rick Emerson and the KUFO's staff, management, advertiser, sponsors... We are certainly not advocating that you abuse your body with any sort of chemical. If you're already doing that, might I suggest that the Adam West interview would really just be the best thing ever to listen to while in that state. I mean, theoretically speaking. It'll go in the station demo for sure. I'm gonna, <laughs> seriously, could it, I mean, put that in our composite. And make, sure you get the, make sure you get that off to an agency today. And CC Les Moonves on everything involving Adam West, won't you please? The Rick Emerson Show is produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. On the phones, the intrepid Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers Dave's in. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru is, of course, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. A executive producer is one Christopher J. Paddock. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Roop, Steve Kastenbaum. We want to thank... And uh, also uh, Nicholas Cage, who joined us today, plus K2's Carl Click. Uh, coming up here in just moments, Buzz has Smells Like the 90s. Kids, that is coming up mere moments from now. Smells Like the 90s, right here on Rock 101 KUFO. I'm Rick Emerson, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. West, Adam West, Adam West, Adam West, I'll come out when they're all gone.